welcome to uh, another episode of Burning Bridges with Bridgeburner, and I am your host, Bridgeburner, and today we have the legendary Jimmy. How's it going? Hey there, Bridge. Nice to be here. No, it's, um, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, known you for a while now, and um, yeah, like um, it's interesting. I remember you know, when I joined Doom World and first started getting introduced into the Doom community and, and you know, lightly socializing with people and starting to figure some things out and this 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 name Jimmy seemed to be pretty prevalent and popping up and I remember reading somewhere and I have no idea if this is actually true but it does it does sound true that um if you know Romero's at the top of the list of contrib- contributors to Doom in terms of you know like material um you know creations if he's number one Jimmy's number two in terms of and, and you look at your body of work uh, both in terms of uh, music and maps and, and everything and projects ran and it's like that does sound pretty true so you know you're obviously um immensely passionate uh, about doom um and you know the community is you know immensely lucky to have uh, someone like yourself um what 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 attracted you to doom in the first place well basically it's been around since i've been around more or less um and it's been like a constant presence in my life pretty much uh i i'm nearing the age of 30 um which means um it came out when i was about two um and i think that's basically the earliest that i picked it up <laughs> uh, that i can remember anyway so they remember um playing a whole bunch on my my dad's pentium pc as a kid um he, he was pentium. one of the very first things yeah he, he, he was one of the very first things that he loaded on it because um, of course you got a new computer, you got to run Doom on it. This is true. Um, yes, of course. So um, uh, it was it was definitely one of those things that you know I was yeah, able to see into this you know virtual world I suppose just to wax a bit poetical I suppose, but uh, you know it's 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 something that you know really takes you by shock first time you you see it mm. you know, first time you see like it's it's one of those games that's so immersive even you know by today's standards I suppose. But it's one of those things where, you know, the mood kind of like the, the mood for Doom is always there for me. It's like um, it's one of those ads. Yeah, it's it's it, it was a very pivotal moment, like the moment I actually sat down, and started playing it. And then the moment I started realizing all oh, these editing tools so you mm. can make your own stuff for Doom. That was another life changing moment, pretty much. And um, I sort of dithered between Doom and a few other games for quite a while. I did quite a lot of. Uh, mapping and editing for for Jute Nukem, right? Uh, Jute Nukem 3D, um, and then I moved on a little bit to StarCraft. Ah, StarCraft did um, have a good editor. I did dabble with that. The Blizzard editors were yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was like I was like full on making my own my own campaigns and mm. stuff like that. You're really but, cool uh, shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and like uh, as a preteen, of course, everything I was doing was complete garbage. <laughs> and, um, thank God that I've. I'm thankful that I've not shared it with the rest I of the world. I bet you didn't feel that, think that at the time, like, I'm making the best shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is so absolutely. cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, that's that's the power, though, of editing, though. It's just to, to, to sort of bring you into the world of the game and just, um, it sort of unlocks so much potential for you to express yourself, I suppose, yeah. as, as a person. I think, like, you know, uh, there's an intimacy that comes with editing for a um you're making contact for a game like that you know you, you can you can get very familiar with classic doom by, by playing playing it and playing it and playing it but it's not until you start creating stuff you you know you, you realize how things work and you become you think more carefully about mechanics of monsters and all that kind of stuff and i love that that relationship you develop with the with the the game by by getting that deeply into it 
What kind of what? How long yeah. was the time gap between playing and actually getting into editing? How long did it take you there? Oh, it's hard for me to say. Like I have to think really far back to when I was, you know, I was b- below the age of ten for sure. Wow. Okay. Um, so pretty quick. But um, yeah, pretty pretty early on, I started dabbling. What editor? Um, what editor would, think would you be using then? The, the editor was Deep Sea, as it happens. That's where I started too. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking deep sea. Oh, those were dark days. We meme, we dark meme on, days. we meme on deep sea, but it's amazing. It's like this was my first editor. I was like, can I actually gotta thank deep sea for being around for actually having a decent UI and um, you know, it's the you can see it as the, the precursor to Doom Builder. Um, it's got mm. that that same kind of interface. Um, yeah. So, like, um, what was the first thing you released? The first thing I released, um, well, I joined the community in 2006. Um, that was, um, I was part of the Skulltech community around when that was still around. Um, and strangely enough, it wasn't like single player releases I was putting out back then. It was uh, multiplayer maps, um, you know, your deathmatch and your capture the flag, and your um, invasion maps, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, for, for, for Skulltech, as soon as, as soon as version uh, 97B uh, dropped of Skulltag. I remember. I still remember that version number so clearly. <laughs> the most hyped up Skulltag release that probably exists. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was touted with all these new features, new new cool new power ups, loads of new maps. The new invasion game mode was mm. part of it. Decorate support, which was huge. Yes. Um, so you know that was that was huge at the time, and uh, of course. Yeah, I was super psyched. And as soon as it dropped, I was like, right, I'm going to start creating. I'm going to just get to work and crack on. Because I dabbled a little bit with Zdoom modding before then, but I hadn't been able to sort of take those um, experiments and sort of translate them into the multiplayer realm, which is really what I was kind of aiming for at the time. You know, your custom weapons, your custom skins, that sort of thing. Um, And then actual maps. um, The very first thing that I basically released, I suppose... um, if it counts, was I was part of the Sabat Mata community project, um, which was uh, 2007 that came out. So there was a bit of a gap between me joining the community and putting out something new. Uh, that, of course, was uh, Mechadon's right. very first community project um, that he organized as part of the Skulltech community. Um, and I remember doing four maps, I think, for Sabat Mata Deathmatch. Uh, him all shit. <laughs> We're going to find them at play. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it's interesting uh, but, that you um, um, you play you started with multiplayer stuff. I did, that was not what I was expecting, to be honest. Um, and skull tag, and you know, kind of like the the front runner of of modern at the time. You know, the new the newfangled stuff. Um, oh yeah. But I guess that's that is often what draws people in to that is like oh new toys. I actually want to finally get something out. Uh, yeah, very, very 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 much so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a, a very long history and track record and, and you know, catalog of, of content now, and I'm sure you've gone through various phases. But when you when you sit down and decide, I'm going to make something. Where, where does that seed start? Is it do you are you more of a I've got a, an, a grand idea and you plot and plan ahead of time, or is it let's see what comes out and just go with the flow, or both? I think nowadays it's it's it my, my my approaches has changed over time. So now I do a lot of planning beforehand. And that comes in the form of thinking up 
you know, what map names am I going to have for the project? What are my maps actually going to look like? What's, you know, schematic like, schematically, what are they going to look like on paper? Mm. I draw a lot of stuff. On, on, in fact, a uh, little bonus for you. <laughs> so actually, this is a fresh new pad, and this is the first thing that I've, uh, oh, yeah. that mm. I've drawn in it. Was that at the top? Realms Deep. Yeah, I was going to say, is that your Realms Deep? <laughs> yeah, it is exactly. Nice, yeah. Nice. So that was so that was that was all done um, in about ten or fifteen minutes. I just planned. I just planned mm. to draw some circles and some fancy stuff around that. So yeah, for people so, listening on the podcast, Jimmy's holding up a sketch pad with some scribbles. Um, you're missing out on this golden content. <laughs> That's going to be on uh, YouTube. It will be on YouTube. So, so it will be a video yeah. as well. So people- yeah, so, that, so they'll have the visual there. Cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, I do a lot of planning on paper, um, and that can you know take the form of obviously you know map schematics, you know the two D drawings, um, you know just thinking up. Uh, you know, I do little word balloons as well for like um, level names, all that sort of stuff. Um, music selection as well. I think of that beforehand. Right. That's also uh, quite important to me. If I um, have like a pack of midis, for example, that um, I've downloaded off the internet, and I'm like these are really inspiring. This is really interesting. I'm going to go ahead and put these in a doom level set. Um, that will usually propel me forward with the project. So you think you find um, that uh, having a, having a, a pretty firm music selection is quite important. And is that all the way down to this song for this map? Or is it like, I'm going to use, you know, of these 10 tracks, I'm going to use eight. They've got the vibe I want as yeah. How specific do you get with that? Yeah. Quite often it's the former uh, camp there. It's because just, just cause I, I often pair visuals with, music like very often those two things go hand in hand in Mm. my head so um i'll say okay so level one will have this track level two will have this track and it'll sort of like in my head i'll sort of develop um a kind of progression from like level one to level x Mm. and like level one what's a good level one sounding piece of music and i'll like take that take take a look at what i've got and uh select from that okay that one sounds like it'll be good for like the very first Mm. thing that you hear when you boot up the game what, uh, what, uh, what is a good level one sounding, sounding track? What would you... It's, it's, it's That's like, a the, great question. It, I'm still it, trying to find yeah, the yeah, answer. Exactly. I, was, I was just trying to think, you know, would it vary? It'd probably vary from project to project, but I'm trying to think, like, you know, you could go see what you could have something like jaunty like beat to, to energize the player and pull them in, or if it's a, a moodier set, you could have something atmospheric to set the tone straight away. And I was just trying to think, is there, a, is there like a quintessential you know, opening track? And I think most of the time it's something pretty energetic for, for, a, lot of the, for a lot of Doom. I would have thought. Yeah, you've got um, there's it, a lot of it has to like reel the player in with like here is like here's our like first impression kind of song. You almost want um, like a, a say, like a hook chorus version of a song to like be worm it you know earworm into them and you know like, have them like humming it when they you know wake up the next day. It's like, yeah, that was yeah, really yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think I think that's why um, I sort of struck gold a bit with Hate Machine actually mm. um, Sigil's uh, first track. Yeah, yeah it's a because that's a catchy piece of music. Although might surprise a few people to learn that it's actually quite an old track. I wrote it in 2015 as part of a, uh, a speed MIDI project, <laughs> um, which was one of, which is one of my albums on Bandcamp. You can grab it from there. Um, it's one, one of my 30 in 30 albums, which is my personal challenge that I set myself every now and again to do 30 pieces of music, allotting myself 30 minutes each for mm. each track. So Hate Machine actually sprung from that. Like the, the, the original <laughs> track was done inside 30 minutes. Turn out, turn out the speed man. It's like, ah, oh, then Ramiro's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I think I might have 
prodded him in the direction yeah. vaguely of those of those albums as well because I knew there's I knew there was some pretty good stuff on there, but I didn't really think that Hate Machine would take off so stratospheric. It's a great name like for a track as well, Hate, Hate Machine. I think I think that's like you hear that like oh I want to hear what that sounds like. Um, yeah. Well, like um, that was obviously a pretty fucking awesome moment for you getting because you got approached by Ramiro, didn't you? He he done he hated yep. you. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so, he just he just messaged me on Facebook. Yeah. And <laughs> I bet you like you you exploded when that happened. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> what? It's like it's it's him. It's 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 Doom Daddy. You know, <laughs> um, John Doom John, himself, the man himself. Um, and like uh, you know, uh, having come coming off the back of actually having a chat with him uh, myself, I, I I think I know the answer to this question. But what was what was it like working with John Romero? Um, very, very uh, easy, straightforward. Like um, he, he had um, a selection of midis that uh, he presented to me. He was like, "Is it okay if I use these?" And of course, I'm like, uh, "Yeah." How fucking uh, yes? You're virtually yeah. <laughs> you're virtually the reason these midis exist yep. in the first place, John. Um, so um, I was I was happy, of course, to write him some new tracks as well because he was after a title music, uh, title track, and uh, music for the intermission screen as well for Sigil. So I came up with those in about a couple hours. Like I just knuckled down and was like, "Here you go, John." You didn't I, I you didn't feel addition, you didn't feel additional pressure having write, writing them specifically for for Sigil. Maybe a little bit of additional pressure, but it's sort of second nature to me now. Mm. I just love writing Doom MIDIs, and I know roughly what a Doom MIDI kind of yeah. sounds like, just in the classic sense of the word. Yeah, like obviously, sure. music is so fluid, and you can do anything with you can do virtually anything with general MIDI, and you can set any sort of tone and atmosphere that you want with with general MIDI. Like if you take, for example, the Ancient Aliens or the Valiant soundtracks, um, lots of really cool stuff in those soundtracks but mm. uh, to me like there's a very certain formula that makes um a midi sound doomy and i guess you i guess you could kind of sum it up in a few different ways but ultimately it's like, bongos it's, isn't it yeah. it's bongos <laughs> it's bongos <laughs> yeah, it's bongos always bongos um <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's Bob. It's uh, like the Bobby Prince style blues progression mm. is often key to it. Um, and actually, Primeval is a is a composer who's dabbled in this a lot. Um, like, like I worked with him on things like Reverie and uh, Flashback to Hell stuff like that. Um, it's funny because I know Prime obviously through his you know his OGG work, you know, MP3, you know, it's full, mm. um, full yeah, of course, stuff. Yeah. And it's easy to forget that he's got a, a big battery of uh, MIDI's as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's uh, probably about as he's been about as prolific as me because like, I think we sort of um, fell onto the scene at roughly the same mm. time. Him and me, and, he's a machine. Uh, we worked together <laughs> on a lot of projects. Um, yeah, he puts out stuff very quickly, very efficiently, um, uh, and he's got that Bobby Prince style of of track down pat. It's interesting um, because, um, but yeah, yeah, you, know, you talked about like those original Doom midis and the sound, the other sound that Bobby Prince, you know, and he, yeah, it does like the midis they have a very distinctive tone and you're like that's a doom midi like when it when it starts playing mm. do, do you think because everyone knows or not everyone but you know it's pretty common knowledge that a, a good chunk of the original doom tracks are derived at least quite heavily if not outright stolen from old <laughs> rock and metal tracks and you mentioned blues and you know, there's like exactly. alice in chains dem bones is in there and it's that blues mm -hmm. based rock rather than like a like classical based heavy metal that yeah it's kind of like yeah. the backbone of of do you think 
yeah, do you think that those, those original actual songs had a big impact and kind of set the tone? Um, oh, do you mean for like my my MIDI? No, no. So going way back to the beginning when Bobby Prince was writing the, the the soundtracks and you know was taking from Pantera and Alice in Chains and you know taking snippets of that and recreating it in MIDI form. Do do you see that as like an important element to setting what you call your you know the doom tone? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it it all pulls from hard rock and hard metal of the of the nineties and the eighties. I mean, Bobby Prince was a lawyer, so he knew exactly what he could get. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he you know, he was he was very precise um, with uh, very precise and very deliberate with his. I, I can um, copy this much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from those old bands, yeah, you know, you know, your Panteras and your Alice in Chains mm. and all that sort of stuff it was all like instrumental in setting that sort of sound i suppose um and to an extent that's kind of like where i like to go as mm. well like a lot of my um a lot of my music can be described as midi metal i suppose because i am a bit of a metal head <laughs> um, jimmy's wearing a harkin t-shirt oh yes excellent band <laughs> excellent band yes and uh I, th- I think it is a lot. A lot of like modern metal does tend to inspire me quite a lot. So a little bit of new metal here and there, a lot mm. of modern prog, that sort of thing, um, death metal, all that sort well, of thing does, is starting to inspire me a lot. It's amazing how versatile the MIDI format is because you'd think it's, you know, like a chip tune, kind of like it's, you know, you could, you'd assume that it's quite limited in, in what kind of sounds you can extract from it. But you know, um, you've got stuff like the Godhead Suite, which is a true prog masterpiece, um, and then you know. Uh, 8079 wrote me a track um, for uh, a community project called, yeah, that was pretty much death metal. It's full of blast beats and, and it, mm. it slaps. <laughs> like you'd think it'd be too light or thin or there wasn't enough variety and tones that you could extract to justify a 40 minute long track, but it, it can easily. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've experimented with that sort of stuff myself. I've done MIDI blast beats. I've mm. done heavy uh, drum rolls, like in my, um, it's like eternity blitz soundtrack uh, springs to mind. Lots of very heavy tracks in that, like very focused on the heavy down-tuned metal sort of stuff that you hear from a lot of modern bands nowadays. Um, and uh, the uh, 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 I did I did Eternity Blitz. I did Escalation Titan as well. Mm. That that was all that was all very much inspired by that sort of same. That's sort a hell of a soundtrack, yeah. Mm. I think yeah, it's I'm very um, very happy with Escalation Titan how that all turned out. Uh, um... I think it's, it is the MIDI drums I'm most impressed with as, as a drummer. <laughs> and it's just, they, they have serious weight behind them. And, you know, double kick sounds oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. You can do these. You've got a decent pair of headphones yeah, like yeah. I have, which these are basically like noise cancelling kind of. And, uh, you know, if you've got, you know, a good bassy sort of tone out of your headphones, that MIDI bass kick is just oh, got awesome. such a front to it. <laughs> it's great. Nah, it's, <laughs> you uh, hear it just. And, like, the, you know, Tom Rolls, you know, big fills sound really good and really, really crisp and. And you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, MIDI is great. Um, you've mentioned uh, quite a few, you know that quite a bit of your stuff is done in those kind of like thirty and thirty kind of challenge settings, and you you know you do you stream making speed midis as well. Thirty minutes is an yes. insane insane length of time to write a, a song. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you how do you go about that process? Do you, do you just is it? Did you plan ahead of time and think okay, I want a bit of vibe, or you just start writing and see what you know? Okay, I'll start with this chord and just see what comes out next. That is pretty much it. You just sort of you 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 take you're taking on kind of the winds of your creativity, I suppose. You just you put you plop a couple of notes down and then you see where that goes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's led me to 
write really good things like uh, Hate Machine. Um, sometimes it's wound up, uh, you know, in uh, some fairly memey offerings like dot dot mid dot mid. <laughs> Which was my attempt at writing an entire song in seventeen sixteen time, and shout out to the um, the dumb midi names uh, text list. Oh yeah, it's, it's uh, growing at an exponential rate, yep. especially with you guys to, to, to feedback off. Of. Happy to con- contribute where I can. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very much just. Um, uh, I have to kind of let go of my inhibitions as a creator and just be like, even if this sounds a bit bad or just a bit shit or mm. a bit samey or a bit strange you know you kind of still have to run with it yeah and you never know like even if you might think that there'll be so they're almost guaranteed to be someone out there that goes oh this is perfect for my my doom map um you know just because mm. you don't think it's you know you, you you'll be able to compare it to your, your other 500 or whatever midis you've now made oh it's not it hasn't hit the heights of these ones but to someone who yeah isn't coming in with that you know intimate knowledge of your catalogue and the like the emotional process you've gone through writing them all, you might feel a bit eh about this one, but someone's like, yeah, this is awesome, yep. I'll, I'll use that. Um, yeah, it's exactly what has happened with Hate Machine, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I didn't actually view it that <laughs> greatly when I first wrote it, and look where it is now. Exactly. <laughs> that, that MIDI's gotten actual live instrumental covers on YouTube now. Wow, that's insane. Um, I think that, for, that is... for a song that took me 30 fucking minutes to write. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is ridiculous and awesome. And um, um, do you do you enjoy that 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 frenzied you know speed money creation more than a slightly crafted more crafted approach, or is, it, or is it just something you feel that you're better at? Or I have to say yes. I have to feel. I I, I do feel as though the more constricted I am, the the more that I can flourish. Mm. Which is, I, I guess, a little bit counterintuitive, but. My mantra for life is limitation breeds creativity. <laughs> and uh, there's a few different ways you can limit yourself as an artist. I do find that certain limitations are overall maybe not the best way of making yourself flourish, like from a creative standpoint. Like if you, for in- if you, for example, say, I'm going to write a piece of music and I'm not going to use my left arm <laughs> the entire conversation. Like actually being posed a physical restraint on yourself, then that's probably not going to be I'm, very fun. I'm going to compose this entire MIDI with airplugs in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny you should say that. There was one MIDI that I did, uh, I think, for 30 and 30 f- number four, that I refrained from hitting the play button at all. I just ah, played. Yeah. I just put some notes in, and uh, I was kind of basing what I had on um, uh, an existing piece of music. Right. It was kind of a remix sort of thing, so I knew what I was doing. But then it was then it just came to hearing the whole thing, just laying the whole thing out, mm. and doing the little mixing and tweaks afterwards. And it actually, was a very successful yeah, nice. session. Uh, yeah, but I do find that um, of the restraints that you can possibly impose on yourself, I think time is probably one of the most useful and kind of creatively demanding ways that you can do it. Because mm. as soon as you know that you're on a time limit, you're like, fuck, I have to do something. I better get I to work, to, yeah. <laughs> I have to work. There is no alternative. Mm. I cannot slack. It's like, um, and then, yeah. you know, that kind of time frame, I'm, like, I'm just going to get something down. Let's just start. It doesn't matter what it is, good, bad, who cares? Let's just get something happening. And, you know, um, do mapping's the same. You know, the speed mapping sessions, like, just, just start making something. Um, and yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, while 
like you know, for me, for instance, I very much prefer a lot more time for my maps. Um, it does it does teach you how to be creative, so you can take that experience. And while you might not necessarily make you know your best work or something that you're you know ultimately happy with, you can use that kind of focused energy, you know, mindset and go, okay, I need to feel like this, but over here where I give myself more time and it's a bit more open ended, but channel that feeling. Um, I think um, that it's good practice, I think, for mappers mm. um, to do that. And it's, it's actually really interesting because it's, to me, it sounds like your process for music creation is the complete opposite of how you make Doom maps now. You know, music, free-flowing, short time period, you know, restricted. I mean, the restrictions, because I know you like your vanilla and, and um, you know, slightly old school kind of uh, stylings for your mapping. Um, but in terms of, like, the creative process, MIDI is very restricted, but also... chaotic whereas your your mapping is heavily planned ahead of time and you know well well refined concepts before you step into you know creating anything yeah i i I, i've often wondered how the two practices sort of like interleave you know like how they how they how they work against each other or work with each Mm. other because usually if i'm not doing one i'm doing the other i do go through creative droughts i do go do, go go through dry spells where i'm not doing either and those are insanely frustrating mm. but um um usually if i don't have any ideas for music i can usually just venture straight into doom builder and just start laying things down yep. and not think much of it and similarly if i don't have any ideas for doom maps i'll just you know open up um my midi sequencer and just start noodling and see what comes of it mm. yeah um, similar to that, i can I can end up in uh, being like a, a fairly large scale kind of project as well. Like if I'm like the one I'm doing at the moment with the realms deep map is actually turning into like quite a large it's map. A, it's a base. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty exhausting, but it's, um, it's also very fun. And I like having fun while I'm being creative, even if it's something that is actually kind of like draining me a bit, um, is ultimately the goal. Mm. I think, um, yeah, if you're not having fun when you're creating, then you've got to just work on your craft a bit and just see mm. what else you can come up with. Fun comes first. Um, yeah, so that's like you know, we you know, if you're a mapper or or, or just involved in one creative discipline, you know, it's good. Sometimes it's good to have like multiple projects that you can kind of bounce between. It's like I don't have any ideas for this, but I can go work on that then. And it sounds like you do the same. You know, bouncing between music and mapping. You know. Yeah, I do think it's better to have those uh, separate disciplines. Um, it's more important to have those than it is to have multiple mm. ongoing projects for a single discipline. So you've got to be able to balance what you can do, um, I guess, performatively. Um, also, in, if you've got if you've got regards. if you've got no mapping juice, well, it doesn't matter which project you're working on. But you can then, you know, you might have your your music making juice might be full, so you can, yeah, because they are like they're different, and you know, particularly with yourself, they're different structures and different creative processes like okay this doesn't feel right at the moment i will go to this completely different kind of style creation yeah 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 yeah, yeah. would you call yourself a, a mapper who makes music or a musician who maps oh great question <laughs> fantastic question uh um probably a musician who maps because i think music really just flows through my blood yeah i was gonna say music um, music's at the core of jimmy isn't it it's, it's you know that i think so i think if most people if you talk to most people like you know what is what is what does james paddock do it's like 
he, he makes music. He, he's, it's the MIDI man, you know. That'll be what springs to that, mind that first. MIDI guy. That MIDI, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know, while you do have a huge body of um, you know full projects behind you, I think that's what people think of first. And it's a, a, to be fair, I think it's the way that you put yourself forward. Um, you know, mm. on social medias and um, you know, you look at your website. It's very much focused around music and music, and that's, that's what you do. You know, for commissions and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, so, springboarding over into mapping and such. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, we're talking about that, that restrictive time frame. There was one particular Doom project, and um, I think you actually might have mentioned it um, on your stream earlier today. But Deathless. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> What the hell happened there? <laughs> oh, I'm still trying to figure that out, Rich. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Deathless is a full full four episode? Four episodes for Ultimate Doom, yeah. Made in nine days? Nine days. Yeah. So well, three episodes made in nine days. The fourth episode was made before it. So that came first. Right. Then the preceding three episodes I fleshed out inside of nine days. So that's roughly three maps per day ridiculous <laughs> was yeah, that yeah don't do it don't try this at home yeah not, not 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 super recommended um although with half the world <laughs> in lockdown you know people might have time to try this was that just Possibly. something did you just do you just sit down and start tuning things out or did you kind of psych yourself up for it i'm gonna do this there was a good deal of psyching myself up beforehand in fact i've got a whole thread on doom world which kind of de- documents how i did it it's mm. called how i learned to stop worrying and start mapping. ah that's right yes and uh that was um that was a thread i put up a short while after deathless's release and uh that was um that basically documented how i was uh, i knew that i was going to make this thing first off it wasn't just a spur of the moment thing mm. did a lot of planning uh, drew a lot of stuff on paper Came up with some map names. Um, figured I would probably go with vanilla music for a lot of the maps. Um, um, and uh, maybe make some tweaks in the music roster that sort of suited the whole thing. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of planning beforehand. I did all the graphical work first, as it right. happens. Because um, uh, I did this for um, Ryathan's um, Nano Wadmo, yes. which is... Um, it's not an acronym that makes sense. It's nation, <laughs> N- National November Wedding Month. Yeah, because that's based on Nano, NanoRightMo, um, I think yeah, was the original of those yeah. those concepts, yes, but there's is, quite yeah. very, you know, all sorts of creative communities have the equivalents of, you know, make a thing yeah, a day yeah. for a month, um, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was hosted in October 2018, mm. I think. Um, and uh, I basically went ahead and said, yeah, you know what? I've just put out a an episode four replacement for Ultimate Doom, entitled Griefless. Um, let's uh, expand on that, mm. and uh, a lot, so a lot of planning went into that. Um, a lot of build up towards that uh, day that it started off, which was uh, the first of October, twenty eighteen. Is when that all kicked off. So the lead up to that was me doing all the graphical work, mm. uh, sorting out like, oh, I'll change the level, uh, I'll change the level names and the skill names, and the uh, I'll sort out what the maps are going to be called, what music's going to be featured, uh, what's the sort of the vibe that I'm going for for a lot of these maps, and I sort of settled on Twid Plus, I suppose mm. is how you would call it, the way it did, plus a bit of my own flair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, there was a lot of forethought that went into that. And then as soon as the bell rang, I was just away. Um, 
So did yeah. you did you um, ever I mean, feel it... did you ever feel like you weren't going to achieve your goal, or did you you know did, did it yeah, or did you just did you just find that you just got into it and it all just built it all just flowed? It flowed pretty well. I think I did wind up taking a couple of days break, so it was inside of nine days, but um, two of those I didn't do any mapping. Right. I did. I just like drew on paper or sorted out some, you know. They're still working on stuff. stuff. Mm. Yeah, editing in Slade or what have you. Uh, Anything except putting any lines down in the editor. So um, yeah, um, it was it was really free flowing. I had fuck all else to do that month. I think you no social (laughs) obligations at all Um, because I I was I was long finished with my university studies by that point. wasn't even with like a like a, an ensemble or anything like that so i had nothing really to fill the time out mm. uh, i knew that i was going to be i knew that i had all this free time ahead of me and i just thought well might as well use it um but yeah it, it, it did turn out that I, um i was staying up very late a lot of days <laughs> just mapping and mapping and mapping just tweaking little lines and vertices here and there i was going to sleep and i was dreaming of moving lines around <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, 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 <laughs> the curse of I mapping. Want to say was, I want to say it was really, really fun, and it kind of was in a way, but I think it did leave me quite burnt out afterwards. I think not it's probably to the same, uh, not to the same degree that it like that I've been musically burnt out before. I think mm. I was able to take a brief respite from mapping and be like, okay. That is obviously as much as I should be doing. <laughs> this That's is the absolute the upper limit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's never try and do more than this. Actually, take a break, otherwise <laughs> I will explode. So I imagine it's one um, of those kind yeah. of things that you'll look back on, and yeah, like you say, well, maybe not fun's the right word, but there must have been like a an, a, 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 an intensity that you're like that was that was special, you know. That was that was a productive session. Yeah, yeah that was certainly something. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got the things were done. I think the the probably like uh, from my perspective or for anyone else is like the incredible thing is like the, the maps are good as well. Like they you didn't they aren't shitty one room memes. They're they're like you said you planned it really heavily beforehand. Um, and yeah, it's, you must have just perfectly nailed the scope of each map down. Made sure they weren't. Small and pointless, but also none of them were too big and got out of hand. It's like shit. It's taking me a whole day to make this one map. I'm not. Yeah, you know, my target's <laughs> fucked. Um, so yeah, you just walk that that line perfectly. Um, sorry, as, it, the- as it happens, there's a slightly sorry. There's, there's, sorry. there's a slight, um, a slight side story to it because every little episode in every episode in Death has had a sort of slight change as to my approach. So I actually started with E2M3. That was the first map that I started making for Deathless. I remember this. Um, and episode two was the first that I laid out. I basically just winged it. Mm-hmm. The whole process, the whole episode, I think except for E2M9, I did all inside one session. I had every map separate in the grid. Yeah, I remember that screenshot. Own, in, yeah, own, yeah. in its own special place, mm-hmm. numbered. So one through to eight. <laughs> um and uh, I basically just winged it. I was just like, okay, uh, the next map is called uh, Vestibule. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. Let's, let's make a vestibule or whatever. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so episode two was the first one that was basically done done for the, um, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the set. I think I then did episode three. And episode three was funny because I had a bunch of the maps already started. I had tried to do episode three a fair bit beforehand and failed for whatever mm. reason. I'd hit, a brick, I'd hit a brick wall of inspiration and be like, okay, 
yeah, I've I've tried to do exactly what I did with uh, episode four here again, and it just hasn't worked out for whatever mm. reason. And so, so I was like, oh, that's fine. I could probably use this later. And of course, sure enough, I did. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I came to episode three, I had basically a bunch of complete layouts mm. that were already there. But I still remade them all from the ground up. Yeah. I just wanted to just be in the flow of being like, okay, well, I've got a really, really vivid idea of what my end goal is going to be here. I might as well just keep yeah. with the creative momentum that I have and make sure that these maps sort of feel like they're part of the same mapping Proce- session. Yeah, yeah, for from sure, the same for sure. Mind. Yeah, because yeah, you don't want them to like feel like they're a little bit more polished because you'd made most of it beforehand or anything like, yeah, I think that was definitely a good call. Hmm. And then episode one, I did a lot of rigorous planning on paper. So it wasn't just winging it like episode two. It was mm. just like, okay, this is what I'm going to call up uh, level one. You know, that level one is contagion. Level two is laid to rust. I think it was, and then just did uh, a, a map schematic on paper in as much detail as I could. I just sat in bed and just drew and drew as, as much as I could um, before drawing a single line of episode one's maps. So the the approach was different for all the episodes and well, that probably didn't that, get hurt the project well i was gonna say i actually think that that would have helped it just thinking about that because if you're trying to do it the same yeah. way for all 27 maps or whatever it is yeah. you're probably gonna run out of energy for that process at some point and go mm. and like you know hit, hit that wall and go shit how do i go forward from here mm. but by mixing it up in these three different kind of tranches yeah like you know say that organic process, that free-flowing stuff you did for episode two, that there's a good chance that you, that wouldn't have worked by the time you got to making episode one. So by planning it and knowing exactly what you were doing ahead of time, you know you had that slightly different process and like the much more structured in terms of in terms of. And then you know episode three, I was like you had like a seed to build off and a clear visual yes. concept, not not so much planning, but you know a clear picture in your mind. And I, I, I'd say that that was probably a big part of why you actually managed to finish it. Um, mm, yeah, definitely. So, on the flip side, you know, Jimmy's not just about all the, about the speed. You know, um, uh, I think for me, my favourite thing that you've made and the thing that has impressed me the most is Faithless. Um, oh, okay. And partly because I've n- never played any other Heretic or Hexen content, <laughs> so that just stands <laughs> out um, on that regard. But I, it, you know. Um, I can certainly uh, appreciate from a technical standpoint um, the sheer amount of like work and thought that goes into hub-style mapping like that. Um, I thought it was oh, yeah. uh, incredibly fun, really nice melding of, of vanilla stuff, but modern with you know UDMF um, and scripting and all that kind of kind of fancy shenanigans. Um, mm. you know, for me, that def- to me that that feels like a, a real magnum opus kind of project. Um, how did you start? Like, because you'd made one episode. And then you decided to expand on, it, or were you always planning on making a trilogy for that? That's the thing. I was. It was one of those things where um, it's basically what happened with Deathless all over again, but for Heretic. Mm. Um, and over eighteen months. So it, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was. A, it was a fairly long development cycle, but yeah. Uh, so Faithless episode one was definitely the first one that I brought out. Um, uh, just having finished it all, and like that, this is our finished project from start to finish. Mm. Uh, and I did that in record time as well. I think that took me nine days, and that was like um, maybe nine or ten days. And it was it was it was, it was only like nine uh, nine maps at the end of it. Mm. But um, 
those 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 uh, those days were also spent like learning the ins and outs of the hub system as yeah. well because I had never really done anything like it's it before. It's a def- very like, different beast. <laughs> oh yes, yes. So I've 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 touched on UDMF mapping before. Of course, I have. I've done it for Adventures of Square, mm. A Boy in His Barrel, a bunch of other stuff. Um, so I was no stranger to it, but um, I still had to learn the ropes a little bit and like learn what particular line actions you know constituted. You know, teleporting to the right location here. Um, you know, certain certain quirks of the hub system, like you know, certain power ups mm. l- uh, last as you go through the portals, and some don't. Right, right, um, right. That's interesting. Which was, all, which was a bit strange to figure out along the way. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of planning that went into that. There was a full-on text file of um, not just the maps that I was going to include, like a list of map names, but what you were going to do in those maps and how those maps also connected together. So it was kind of like a big sort of tree mm. of, um, of things all in a text file. So I was going to like, okay, so you've got the central bell tower in level one. Mm. That's going to have uh, a yellow door on it. And then you'll go to the docks and that'll have the yellow key. Mm. Um, or that'll have access to the yellow key. You'll be able to t- teleport back to the main hub and that's where you'll get the yellow key. You'll then go through a door that brings you to the yellow door. Um, so all this sort of stuff, um, how the maps all interrelated with each other was like really important for me to like sort out just mm. at like the like before I put a single line down basically um, because any sort of technical hitch like you know whether that was a door that should be open or should be closed uh, that was going to cost me time basically um, so I needed yeah a, a really cost time plan going in because hub style stuff like that is a real pain in the ass to test because when you got scripts triggering in one map that affects a different map you actually have to run through the full loop of, of progression. You can't just test Pretty much, yeah. Because I, I have I have dabbled with it way back when, and so I'm you know, oh. fairly fairly you know, familiar enough with um with the, with the concept. And yeah, it's just it's it's a head fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's weirdly fun though. It's very oh, it's very it's cool. a, a, a far cry from how you would normally approach uh, mapping of any kind. Really, when you when you have all these these discrete locations that mm. somehow all relate to one another and affect each other in different ways, it's just it's really cool being able to hit a switch on one level and then being able to go to another map and then being like, oh, a door is open. Oh, and have things like keys carry over between maps and like you go, you're like you know, mm. you know, with um, I think episode two did it probably um, the best was this massive fortress that you start in and like slowly picking it apart and you know finding keys and stuff to open up sections of it um and i'm actually seriously considering doing something for the final episode of age of hell because it's like like you know it's like hubs are cool i want to make a hub yeah Yeah. um so uh, you know obviously faithless ended up um, you know a deep i'd say a proper development link um for normal humans um yeah did you find your your process change because you had more time or do you kind of stick with the same tried and tested methods um i don't know whether my approach changed um but i did gain i think an appreciation for the sort of careful refining sort of development cycle Mm. again um Ultimately, I was taking huge breaks still from the project uh just for my own sanity's sake (laughs) um i believe i started um faithless episode two and three the moment i touched down back in australia after visiting QuakeCon 2019 in texas right. uh, i'd already been dr- uh, dr- drumming up some ideas in my head for it 
But uh, again, there was a lot of planning that went into like that, the resources that you would use, like the items, mm-hmm. um, any extra artifacts and stuff like that you would carry between hubs, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, because obviously so, a lot more then, like, in terms of mechanics involved in you know, Hexen and Heretic than, than Classic Doom. Yeah, I, like, I wanted to expand the, the monster bestiary as well, so that had to happen. Um, so yeah, uh, there was there was a lot of thought that went into that. Um, I did hit a few creative snags along the way, um, particularly with that big fortress level. So shout out very much so to Not Jabber mm-hmm. for being able to pull me out of the creative mire on that one. Um, yeah, yeah Jabba's was, um... contributions were like he, you know, he's so good at macro structures. Like I knew I had to uh, enlist his help in just getting. So, yeah, like, so let's let's the, let's, the let's barrow down into that a little bit. So you you. you uh... oh, yeah. How, how far had you gotten through that before you kind of felt like you'd hit a... Did you, you know, halfway, you feel like you're close to finish and couldn't quite polish it off, or were you pretty early in the development, or...? It's funny. The hub for episode two was still not done, even after all the other maps were done. Okay, so it's been in hiatus a while. <laughs> so, slight hitch when the main connecting hub of your hub episode isn't anywhere close to done <laughs> when, all the, when all the other maps are like you know viable and you know decent maps in their own right so uh jabber and i threw the map back and forth plenty of times mm. and uh i think we ran up a bit something really really cool like jabber's oh, macro structures are excellent yeah, no, and like the map. sheer scale of the iron fortress um is something that sticks with a lot of people so i really yep. have to thank jabber for helping me out there yeah. So um, did you? Did you? You two just bounce? Was it? Was it very much like a like a mapping ping pong kind of thing where you pass it back and forth, and you know, not Jabba would make a little bit of extra stuff, and you go, "Oh, actually, that's give me an idea now, and I can springboard off that." Yeah, it was basically that. Yeah, uh, I wound up changing a lot of the texturing and a lot of the item placement in the final version, and uh, it was perhaps a little bit more than Jabba was anticipating, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was. Um, really fun all the same and uh i'm really thankful that i managed to um uh have some extra help with faithless in the end i, yeah, I knew that i think you found on it. its own it, i on my own i think it would be probably i would have probably struggled honestly to make a map of that size mm. on my own and it would have taken so much longer well, you know um, you're saying with your realms deep map which has ended up very very you know quite large that you know that kind of scale of map you find i think you used the term exhausting <laughs> yeah it's um, uh yeah i do struggle with large stuff like if if i if i'm making a short map or a speed map i'm in my element mm-hmm. but uh anytime you know you ask me to do like oh make a six key layout jimmy i think i've only done one six key layout before and i think it's uh episode one uh area seven of square why do you why do you, why do you, why do you, why do you think that is um i think i just struggle to picture more than you know three serious like um key components in a map i don't know what it is but mm. uh, it's one of those things where if uh, if like an area has to interrelate with another area because there's a color-coded artifact and door that you have to um you have to locate then i can usually you know pinpoint how those two items are going to crisscross across the whole map um how those two things are going to interrelate and then the more of those elements that you bring in the more you kind of have to open the map up as well mm. um so say you have a red green and blue key you know you're finding the you have to find the blue key first to open the blue door and then that gains you access to the green and the red and then from there you can you know take a path non-linearly to either destination Mm. and then find your way back to the green or red door in any order 
And then I think li- linearity is, um, is is something that's generally frowned upon in, in level design. Like uh, there's that classic meme where it's like, you know, the modern shooter is just, you know, it's just a, it's just a single line. <laughs> See, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with um, that one because I like linear maps. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with the line- with linearity as a concept. Um, there, no, there, it's, there is a it's, tendency it's, for modern games yeah. to lean on it quite heavily. Um, but again, there's nothing really wrong with it. No, um, like I, I think I think because you know your maps are generally quite intertwined and non-linear. Uh, you know, as a base mm. kind of design concept, I think that's a pretty common. You know, uh, design trope across across your work, and uh, you know you're very good at, at you know, progressively and making it you know not too confusing to navigate. And if an idiot like me can get through your maps, then you're doing good there. Um, <laughs> but you do like it's interesting. Like you look at something like Doom Eternal, and if you actually it feels pretty non-linear most of the time, like in terms of visual presentation. Mm. But you can draw a straight line through those maps. Um, mm. Yeah, even something like Super Gorgeous, which is a you know a kind of classic Doom three key journey. And huge, you know, you look through areas and you see them from different angles and stuff. It is a straight line progression wise. Um, and yep. I think, yeah, you, you, you are quite good at that genuinely nonlinear um, progression design. And I think I can see how there's like a point where you start struggling to hold those loops in your head. Um, do you think that's got something to like, you, you kind of like in terms of your internal visualization, there's like an, an upper limit to how much you can kind of capture? I think there probably is an upper limit. Yeah, I think for I think with uh, a lot of Faithless's maps, I was able to picture. Okay, so um, the hub map is going to have like say episode three. That's got exactly what I described before. It's got the red, the green, and the uh, blue world, mm. and you can visit any of them in turn in any order. Um, there is a sort of um, you get you know the, you get the blue key in the red world and the mm, green key in the blue world, right, yeah. and the red key in the green world, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a bit of that going on. So there's a bit of linearity in there. I don't think anything is really truly non-linear, if I'm honest. You know, um, there's 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 a lot to be said for having a specific goal at the end yeah. um, and then just being able to pick, you know, any path you'd like on the way through that. I mean, that's mm. still a point from A to B in a sense. Um, yeah, you could definitely argue that so, at, at the end of the day, it's always a linear path that you've taken. Um, yeah, exactly. But that yeah. Part, you know, it, it, different people can take different paths, but yeah, in terms of... You know, strictly speaking, it is still a, a straight line between between your various goals. I think that's a really mm. important thing when you do have those forking layouts and choices that a player can make is to make it very goal-oriented. I think when non-linear maps often fall down, it's just, it just feels like you're wandering around and you don't know why. And I, I, I've played maps where I, I get that feel like after five or ten minutes, like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm looking for a key. I, I don't know what these switches are doing, to be honest. I'm finding stuff, like I'm finding gameplay, but I... You know, I haven't got a feel for the space and whether that's a lack of landmarking or, or goal presentation. Like, here's a big red door that you have to find a key for. And, you know, yeah. that opening bit in episode three is a very good example of very clear goals with those three colored worlds. And you've got that central structure that you're trying to crack open. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's, there's also be said for being able to um, go through a world and feeling like you're actually changing it yourself. Yes. Yep. Um, and that you're able to see, you know, the fruits of your labors, the results of what you're doing. Immediately, basically. Mm. Um, that's why it's uh, really, you know, rewarding for the average Doom player, you know, in vanilla Doom, for example, to be able to go to a switch on a ledge and see that it's raising a bridge across the mm. way. So there's that immediate visual feedback. It's 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 harder to do in he- Heretic and Hexen. Well, Hexen, because that, that's the game that introduced the hub mechanic. But if you have a switch that prints a message to the screen like, 
a thing happens somewhere. You have solved one sixth of the puzzle. <laughs> That's the polar fucking opposite of the of the uh, bridge dynamic. Mm. So it's 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 so difficult, really, to um, strike a good balance where you're able to you know give the player a set goal in mind and then take them to another location where something has happened that they haven't been able to witness happening firsthand. Mm. And that's why with Faithless, every single message that comes up on the screen when you hit a puzzle switch says a very specific event yes. happened at this very specific location, like a bridge has risen mm. in the, the ice fortress or whatever. Yeah, and um, so, I think also like comparing that up with item-driven progression, like you have found the key or this planet gem or, or whatever. It's like, okay, I've, I've got three of the five that I need, I know where the door is that I've got to go put it in, and like having, because that kind of stuff will hopefully lodge in the player's mind, ah, yes, this goes over there, I've got to go back there now. Yeah, yeah, and and usually those things that they've got to return to um, have to be pretty, you know, eye-catching to yes. begin with, even if, they're, even if they're not necessarily things that are immediately in front of them, like mm. you've got a big chasm, and you've got like, a good example of this is episode two, map seven. Um, of Faithless. Uh, is that Ice Map A? Uh, oh, uh, it's Map 6, sorry, yeah, but it's yeah, it's the Ice Mountain yeah. map. You've got a big chasm it's that you've got map. to bridge somehow, mm. and you've got to stand on a little stone thing on the floor that says, you will need wings to bridge mm. this gap. Yes. Um, and, you know, as long as you figure out how to do that, that's the game telling you immediately what the solution is. Um, yeah, and it's but, just um, it's just a, like you will need wings to bridge this gap. Like it's just kind of obtuse enough to make the player go, "Hmm, I wonder yeah. what that means." And by mm-hmm. giving them that kind of mystery, it helps that event become memorable. Um, and and of course, like visually, yeah. it's very arresting as well. Like you have the big gap. Um, like I can picture it now. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I think like that kind of stuff is very is is, is really well done because as you say, it, it it is tough when you've got that hub system to keep the player moving in a Satisf- progressing satisfyingly um you know exploration based stuff you want them you know maybe you do want them to be lost for a little bit um or have to explore yes. and wander around and go where am i going next um you know maybe a little yeah you know, a little bit of that kind of stuff is not, is not a bad thing but you can't let that linger um yeah, yeah. people get bored <laughs> yeah, of course yeah this is this is why i do quite i do quite like getting lost in video games sometimes like there's the sense of getting lost in a mm. game as well um in like a sort of psychological sense um, yeah a sense of immersion yeah, yeah of being really truly immersed in the world that you're in feeling like you're a part of that world and mm. that's why i don't mind getting lost in big maps like in hexen yeah for all of its flaws i really don't mind hexen like, it's, just, it's a great game to get lost in <laughs> it's 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 actually like i i'm fully i i love the, the different settings like dark mirror mm. and um uh, the 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 ice map as well um, in uh, oh is it uh, not not the guardian of ice the the guardian maps in the first hub are really rubbish but um, <laughs> no there was there were, there were lots of uh, oh the castle of grief is a great map as well um, that's a that's a really well designed map um, that's just this huge sprawling fortress that is very easy to get lost in and you, it's basically a glorified switch hunt. But yep. um, there's lots of different levels and mechanics in the in the map that make it interesting. You're like, oh, I'm affecting this now. Mm. You, you find a certain switch. Um, but yeah, um, uh, that's that's why I don't really mind getting lost in a game. Is like if I can just imagine myself being part of that world mm. and you know being like a weary traveler who's you know adventuring through all these dark passages and these ominous towers and things like that. And I'm like 
you know, using my skill and my cunning to unlock mm. certain parts of the world. That there's a real sense of reward there, just on its own, just in the exploration factor of the game. Oh, and this know, whole game's built around that. Like, you know, think, I'm thinking of Tomb, the Tomb Raider series, which is not a game I don't because I don't like that kind of stuff. It's not my not my thing. But I can. There's obviously a market for mm. it, and lots of people that enjoy it. And yeah, there are entire games that are built around that exploration and figuring out things. And you know, still action, you know, based games, but um, you know, really putting a lot of energy into um, like a, you know, making a, a convoluted and deep world. Um, I think like I think one of the reasons why yeah you know, something like Faithless still really worked for me is and this goes back to you know what you're saying but you, you you've got like an upper limit for how big you make a map and um, and you know the the size of the map that you tend to make works well with that kind of design style because they're not enormous you're not wandering around for mm. 30 minutes you're wandering around for three and you know you can but, generally yeah. find that next progression point, you know, quick enough, you know, for someone like me who has got the attention span of a goldfish, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, but still having that sense of immersion and, you know, Faithless, like, nailed that. Like, I was pulled into it, particularly episode mm-hmm. two. Um, I think you can feel the fact that episode one was made quicker. Um, yeah. It's still, still really high quality, but it's it's when mm-hmm. you get to episode two that it, 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 it opens up like a flower, um, and, mm-hmm. and, the other real, and that's the biggest episode that was the longest and then episode 3 is like the big punchy finish um, like I really enjoyed yeah. the pacing of, of the whole thing uh, actually I thought it was fantastic mm. I think it turned out pretty well considering <clears throat> a lot of a lot of time was spent in episode 2 just agonising over the exact designs of the maps and how large they really needed to be um, the, particularly the village map really ballooned out of proportion that's the <laughs> largest map that I've made is that the um, one with the, but, is that, that's the one with the dark forest where you got the torches eh you have to light the yes. yeah that was a big map yeah 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 there's lots there's lots going on in that map mm. it's basically the second hub of the hub yes. episode yeah, which yeah, worked quite well because like it, it, to make a village feel like a village it needs a certain number of but like otherwise it's just a cottage you know and it does get that mm. like it felt like a full you know town almost and I, I thought I thought it was fantastic um, mm. one map I definitely the specific one that I do want to talk about uh, is the time travel map because oh, yeah. that thing is one of the fucking coolest things I've ever seen. Where, where did that idea come from? Oh, it was... Do you know what? That's episode three, the secret level, Phoenix Chapel. Mm. It took me probably four or five different attempts to get that map so working cool. the way I wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. The, the time travel aspect didn't come until the very sort of end of the process of just thinking of like... Okay, how right. do I make a secret level for this for this episode that's already pretty colourful and pretty punchy and has all of these you know, different kind of like I suppose interesting mechanics going on? Yeah, it's a very it's a very conceptually busy episode. Um, yeah, there's lots three. there's lots of stuff going on. You're finding not just the keys. You're looking for the heart gems. Uh, you're uh, looking for different artifacts to unlock secret heart gems in the that's later. Right. And then um, the secret level has got to stand out from all of that somehow. Um, originally, I was just going to have it be a big friggin' arena with just a couple of side doors that enemies pour out of bit by bit, and you've got to just survive. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm so happy that I didn't go through with that. Yeah, it probably would have been fine, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like it was every attempt was just, oh, this is not good enough. This isn't. Mm. fun i'm not really having fun making it if i just have like a single room that's that's like not that's the polar opposite of what i've been doing thus far with yes. the project 
So this has got to be its own bespoke map um, in its own right, and it's got to have a really strong concept. Um, and uh, it's got to kind of just look and feel a little bit different as well. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, it was uh, not long after I moved in with Josh that all the ideas here started mm-hmm. uh, coming to fruition. Uh, for context, I now live with Josh O'Sullivan, a.k.a. Dragonfly, for any listeners who don't um, know. Uh, he's also a Doom mapper, um, uh, has worked on Proteus, all sorts of other cool stuff. And uh, Very cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether it was maybe the change of scenery that I actually... Mm, quite possibly. There is there is actually yeah. you know, scientific evidence for that. A change of workspace inspi- can motivate and inspire and all that kind of stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it had something to do with it. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of re- yeah, yeah. refreshing you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the time travel aspect didn't come until way late. Um, I knew that I wanted some sort of fortressy chapel kind of place a bit like all of the maps thus far mm-hmm. in episode three of faithless had been up to that point um but then i had this idea okay what if i like repurpose this room put a clock in the middle that spins and a switch on this side of the room that takes you back in time and another yeah, side like, in time okay, this is gonna work because that, that feels <laughs> that's so integral to the concept like thematically but i guess you could have actually made a lot of stuff and then you can actually kind of shoehorn that in because it's not, it doesn't change much else. It's like, we've well, got these two other sections of map. Oh, we'll just make one forward in time and one back in time. Um, mm. it was a, and yeah, that was serious lightning bolt inspiration there because it was, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. I like how like the, you know, the, the map changes to reflect, like you really present the time change really well, I thought. It felt like I went mm. back for the, going back and it felt like, you know, you go forward and it's all ruins and yeah, it was great. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've always loved that mechanic in video games, no matter, you know, how primitively it's executed. I mean, you clearly stole the idea from eternal doom. (laughs) Eternal doom. Oh, that does it really well. Actually. That's a very refined example. Actually. Uh, TNT map four was the example I was going to use wormhole. Mm, mm. Um, That's that does it really well, even though it's, you know, you just cross a single line here and then, suddenly you're in a different version of the same map. Yes. And it's an entirely optional wing of the map as well. You mm-hmm. don't have to go through that section. But it's still such a cool concept that it's even if it's you know a little bit undercooked, yeah, it's yeah. still so cool. It's great. No, cooks, and it's get... so easy to do, even with vanilla Doom as well. Yeah, yeah just, like you say, just need a teleport line and you just copy the map over and just change shit. And going down does it in one of the maps. There's, uh, there's not so much a time yeah, shift, does. but it's a, a hellification of the, the tech space and... And you, you know, swapping, flipping back and forth between those two spaces. Well, it is. It does actually present itself as a time warp. Oh, it does. Kind of thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, you step onto a central platform and like you basically travel forward in time to a hellified version of the building, mm. just so you can go into an office to grab a yellow yeah. behind the yellow door. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then you come back and you, you come back in time. And then, yeah. No, so there's a there's a, an awesome concept that you know it, we can name a few good examples, but it's it hasn't been. It's not like something that's been done to death. Um, and yeah, it's not a not a worn trope for sure. Um, and mm. um, I think the I think the cake was the spinning clock. Would, like saw that animated text, I was like, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that was good fun to put together that whole thing. For sure, for sure. Um, can't have a conversation with Jimmy without talking about things that are square. So obviously, this I've got. 
faithless uh, still hold as like for you, you know, as your personal individual works you know, as your as your, your your magnum opus project for me personally from what i've played and um mm-hmm. but adventures of square is obviously another massive undertaking but it's, it's a bit different you've got a, you've got a team um and um, i actually want to uh we won't talk too much about specifics about Square because we've got, I've got an interview with Entrop coming up. I actually think I'll get both of you on at the same time, and we'll we'll do a deep dive on Square uh-huh. then. Um, yeah, sure. So I think that I think that'll be quite fun. But I think one thing I want, do want to kind of talk to you, uh, you know, as it relates to creativity and all that kind of stuff is is how does working with a team change that kind of concept? Um, and you know, you as ostensibly the project lead, I know Entrop did a lot of work in terms of project management and helped you out a lot on that side, but it was your idea originally, you know, you started the concept and then you started bringing people in. Um, did that, you know, obviously that helps, more people make, you know, many hands make like work, more people helping, less pressure in terms of physical work. But from a creative mm-hmm. perspective, did having more people involve make it easier to get ideas out and get them uh, put down or did it slow things up because you had to talk more um, or was it just just kind of different well, i suppose it was a bit of both um um certainly there was a little bit more um you know conflab that we had to do between each other to make sure we agreed on certain parts of the plot and how certain game mechanics should work i remember the whole talk about the vacuum mechanic of episode two we must have debated over that for months. <laughs> like, uh, it's specifically like what power up should you should should we use and how long they should last and or should we have those, these respawning stations mm. where the items you know, keep popping back up so you can continue to go across. Yep, yep, yep. So that was all very, very, very um, deliberate and very closely talked about mm. um, amongst uh, all of us as a team. Well, it's quite an integral um, mechanic. You want to get that right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely imperative that that yeah. sort of thing is get this go right. Especially when it concerns like, oh, if you do this wrong, sudden death for the player. Yes, yes. You know? And then there's that big open map where it has those stations mm. scattered around it, that you know, enormous map. Um, and I think yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that one in particular would have suffered badly if you hadn't guys hadn't nailed you know, the timings of all that and exactly how those respawn yeah, stations yeah. would work. And I, yeah, I think you got yeah, it right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's one of the things about uh, being in a team is that a lot of it has to be. You know, we all have to unanimously agree mm. on a certain thing. You know, compromises do have to be made, um, sacrifices, etc. But uh, ultimately, I've really, really enjoyed working with the the, the big brick team. Um, it's a good team. It's very they good team. Been, yeah, yeah. They are an immensely talented bunch of individuals, and uh, the Adventure Square would not be what it is. Well, the proof proofs on the pudding. It's that's a hell of a game, and um, you know, yeah. Immensely fun and um, you know very well received. So, you know the 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 end result is definitely there. Um, did you find that you had to kind of you know put your foot down uh, at times around your vision, or was it uh, did you did it stay fairly collaborative? Um, I think ultimately, like the team, I think ultimately like pretty respectful of my my creative wishes and of my creative uh vision i suppose for the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you want you want people who at least are partially on board with what you set out um as creative director um yeah because you don't you don't want to be surrounded by 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 yes men and sycophants because you know um debate leads oh, yeah, to better no. products but uh, you know you, you'd want mm. at least like you say a base level of belief in what you are creating that would hopefully head off yes. any potential like genuine disagreements on creative direction. 
Um, mm, yeah. Yeah, because obviously um, I've gone through a similar thing with Age of Hell, of like slowly gathering people, and um, I I'd say, I agree working in teams is a hell of a lot of fun. And um, I'd say that, you know, like kind of like with, you know, when you got Lot Jabberin to help out with um, that map, having having other people around you to help bounce ideas off and, you know, um, open up that kind of avenue. There's always something that's being worked on. So while it's not mm. like kind of like with you, you know, bounce between music and map making, maybe I can't go and make monsters, but I can talk to Mr. Cat about it and give him ideas yeah. and go at least help out in some way, even if I don't quite feel like putting some lines down. So there's always, you know, it's, I think it's, you've always got that kind of creative bubble going on. You know, it's burbling away. And, um, there's always something being created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, it, it is it is fun being part of a team where the central focus of your game is terrible, terrible puns. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's the core premise of Avenged to Square. It's not about making a fun. It's about the terrible puns. And I 100% exactly. Agree. <laughs> and, and, and when you have like people on on board the project who are as passionate about bad puns as 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 me personally uh that, that turns into a very very fun environment i'll tell you what the very finest pun that we ever came up with was because of um one that uh, alfonso brought to us he's uh, he's an australian he lives in australia apparently in australia there's a thing called jimmy's thunderbox have you heard of it <laughs> no <laughs> it is a portable toilet that they take onto construction sites <laughs> And Alfonso raced into the IRC channel, apoplectic with excitement as he had discovered this thing. And he was like, Jimmy, it's called Jimmy's Thunderbox. It's a box. It's square. It's a toilet. We've got to put it in the game somewhere. Must be. And the knight suggested, okay, how about... Uh, we don't have any construction site maps for episode two plan, but I could put a, there's a little, there's a laboratory map that I'm working on for episode two. Could put a little campsite beside it, like towards the exit. Mm. And I was like, what if you went into one of the tents and you were able to pick up the toilet and wear it as armor? (laughs) Is that where that came from? Yes. My goodness, that is, that is, that is some deep lore right there. I love it. Uh, And and, uh, it was probably the most hilarious IRC conversation I've ever been a part of because <laughs> just the, the planet's fucking aligned that's that amazing yeah well like you, you know memes aside and you know um you're talking about how everyone was on board with the bad puns but I think you know obviously there are plenty of examples in history um of of bad teams not working together and you know particularly in professional where you don't get to choose your teammates so much um but I think mm-hmm. if you have fun with everyone you're gonna make something good um, if everyone's, it's, it goes back to like if you enjoy mapping, maybe not good, it's not quite the right word. You'll you'll follow through, and you'll you know you're way more likely to be able to, com- to actually complete stuff. And same thing, you know, with personal stuff. If you're enjoying the process for what it is, not having like other like extrinsic goals pressuring you, like I want to you know I want to win a CAC award, or I want to get this much recognition or whatever. If the pri- like yeah. it's not, I'm not saying it's bad to have those motivations. But you don't want them to be your primary motivation. The primary motivation... Yeah, no, no absolutely not. You know, in a perfect world, is to have fun. Um, exactly, and, yeah. You know, it sounds like the Big Brick team really nailed that. You know, just... Yeah, I think so, yeah. Good, yeah. good, good like, group of people, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my motivation with creating, and I think it should be everybody else's motivation with creating as well. Mm, definitely. Like, if you're not having fun with what you're doing, um, 
find something else to do yeah. for your own mental well, sake. You particularly, know? this isn't a job for most people. This is a hobby. This is a leisure activity. You should be enjoying yourself. Right. And I, I always get these, like, obviously there's times when you struggle. And, you know, yes. with creative blocks or and other, you know, real world issues stopping you from being able to progress and or you're not happy with what you're making for whatever reason. Like, it won't always be fun, even for people who can, who can really grab hold of that. Um, but... You know, if you're enjoying yourself, you'll keep doing it. And mm. I actually think you'll make, you, you will make better things. Like, uh, you know, you get in those kind of frenzies, you start making a thing. And actually, this kind of was a question that came up on stream uh, for me last night. And, you know, what's your favorite mm. part about mapping? And, you know, apart from all of it, <laughs> it's that moment where you, you have an idea and you start picturing it and visualizing it. Hmm. This is this, this could be cool, and you start building it, and you, you're picking at the map, and you're like, okay, this is going to be nice. And then there's a point where, well, at least for me, where that visualization has become just real enough to be able to see the path all the way, you know, to follow it all the way through. Yes, this is going to work. Yes, this is going to look awesome. Mm. And for me, I think it's that moment, and that's that that excitement that it's like this is going to be cool. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is my I favorite. Tell you what, I I actually get sort of itchy and restless oh, as, yeah. as soon as i've attained that level of clarity in my head immediately. exactly and you know that gives you that energy and you you are more creative in that state and um every it, it's everything you, it feels like everything you touch turns to turns to gold and you know um i think you know people like you and myself are quite similar in the sense that we can hit those notes pretty you know pretty consistently um, you know uh, that kind of prolific energy and people like Primeval with his music making I'd imagine is pretty similar and mm. um, you know you, there are those people out there that can consistently at least outwardly like you know you, I know that you do struggle with Mathis Block and, and creative stuff like that at times um, as, as yeah. does just about everyone but you know outwardly Jimmy makes a lot of shit <laughs> uh, in, a, in a way that um, people go like wow <laughs> um, and Oh, yeah, going back to that whole team concept, I think that can become a, a real incubator for that energy because, again, you might not be feeling it, but someone else might be feeling it, and then you can get excited about what they're making. It's like, oh, like, you know, when you know, Mr. Yes. Cat makes a new monster or Bimmy comes up with some new voice lines, you're like, these are awesome, and you, and you can find yeah. that energy, that fun factor um, in other zones, and, that, and then hopefully take some of that, that energy into your own work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for the team spirit and of um, making sure that you, as a creator, aren't just creating in a vacuum. Because mm. if you just if you if you just stick to being a lone wolf for your entire career, you're probably just going to wind up being a bit miserable. Well, um, or, or just getting a bit sick of your own company. Exactly, or just fizz, or just fizzles out. Like you just yeah, not that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you will. I think you will lose that drive because you're like, eh, just, you just get kind of bored. Yeah, I'm gonna go play yeah, a different game now. It's definitely, yeah. I mean, boredom is the killer, isn't yeah. it? And in a in a in a in a in an activity where you're supposed to be having fun and stimulating yourself, in a sense that you can continue to maintain that as mm -hmm. a, as an activity, like creativity leads to further creativity, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, that's why other people become paramount, and that's yes. why working within a, a community like Doom World, mm. um, or just like the Doom community at large. Um, just becomes so important to like for me personally just for, to maintaining my creative drive and my mm. spirit to keep giving and doing things out no 100 percent because i like yeah you know, I've, I've been dabbling with the mapping for a, a you know decade and a half or whatever 
all those previous times that I made some maps was in isolation. Completely by myself. <laughs> I might have shared it with a couple of friends. Um, and while I don't, I've got no regrets and I always enjoyed it when I was doing it, there was inevitably, yeah, I'm over this. Let's go play a different game. You know. <laughs> and if you look, you know, normally when you're playing a game, you bounce between games. So in order to keep creating and keep the energy up to, to do that for, like, you know, you've been doing it for 15 years, um, mm-hmm. you need some sort How of... Did you say 2006? Is that 15 years ago? 2006 was yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's, yeah, no, sorry, but the last year or so. Um, yeah, that, that's more like it. Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm not old. <laughs> Neither am I. Um, I don't have ever-increasing amounts of grey hair. Um, you know... Uh, I completely forgot what I was saying. Um, yeah, so the community element, like even if you're not specifically working in a team, you're still kind of immersed in that environment where you can bounce ideas off people, get people to help test you, mm. test your stuff. And I think that's really that's an important process to go through. Even if you're make you're, you're just making stuff by yourself, solo uh, solo creator, get a testing team together, and you know yep. the same people for the next project, and you can still build that that team energy. Um, uh, quite, you know, maybe not easily stop the right word, but it can definitely be done without, um, you know, having to put yourself out too much. Um, so, perfect springboard into the first of the questions. And this is a question oh, from okay. Jimmy for Jimmy. Where the fuck is Square Episode 3? <laughs> um, uh, you don't have to answer uh, this one. Sorry, I've, 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 uh, I'm, I've got to take a really important phone call right now. Uh, Sorry, no, I think um, it's definitely the world is waiting, and we'll wait patiently. Um, and that might be yeah. something to go into. I think more with our introp as well. Um, yeah, what you guys' plans are for the future, but um, uh, it is it is definitely something that we're all very much looking forward to. And yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you're still you are planning on making your third episode, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Good. As far as I know. <laughs> yeah. As far as I know. Yeah. It's like yeah, no, they're still happening. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, we're very excited for, for episode three. Yeah, I am too. Whenever it whenever it appears, mm, I imagine it'll be the kind of thing. You know, once the wheels finally go you know, de-rust and, and, and the cogs start whirring, it'll. Mm. I imagine it would happen. It would come out relatively quickly. Um, you know, knowing you're prolific. Yeah. You, you know, everyone, everyone on your team's a pretty prolific worker. The base, every all the the base is already there. The foundations of the other episodes. So it's not like you're having to cook up entirely new, mm. um, you know, concepts and stuff. So, rubbing my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, can't believe you asked me my own question. <laughs> Put it in the list. My own fucking meme question. <laughs> um, here's one from Don. So, if anyone has any questions in the uh, in the chat, uh, drop them in the in the chat there, and we'll get to them as well. We'll work through the the, the, the early list. Um, this is a good one. Godhood Suite. Yeah, you know, we talked about you know their progressive influences on on your music and um yeah was there, was there some sort of backstory to that or um, was it planned or did it was one of those things that just kind of flew off the fingers yeah so funny there's there is a quite the backstory here um so me and bimmy my sibling um we've been we've been sort of working on and off for yeah over a decade now easily on um this little sort of fictional world that we've got, the sort of creative writing project that we've got going on mm. called Godhood, um, featuring um, a protagonist uh, who is um, a demigod, 
uh, whose job it is to maintain order in the mortal realm. His um, his brother is um, the sort of um, the sower of chaos in the mortal realm. So they have a like a fierce rivalry between each other. And then one day his brother does the unthinkable and he opens a portal to the mortal realm. And he's just like, I'm 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 done here. In, mm. I'm I'm done being a god. I'm going to just cause some havoc in the real world. And you know, how very how very Greek. <laughs> yeah. So he opens a portal to the mortal realm. He disappears through it. Um, our hero then follows his brother to the to, to the mortal realm, but because of his sworn duty to protect the fabric of the cosmos and like um, to be um, to be maintaining order in the universe, he rescinds his godlike abilities and sort of becomes he disguises himself as a human mm. uh, in the real world, and that's where you know his <clears throat> his interrelation with human beings comes into play. Mm. Because he's been an almighty demigod up to this point, um, with only a couple of you know gods above him who are you know more powerful. So one of the most most supreme beings in the universe suddenly um, is you know, becomes this sort of you know rag bearing um, lone wanderer in the real world, and he has to basically find you know his he has to find friendships, mm. he has to find you know weaponry, he has to learn skills um, like the very basic human skills as well. Like you know, he's manually breathing for the first like fifteen minutes <laughs> of his life, basically this sort of thing. Um, so yeah, he's um, he's 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 very out of sorts, and he eventually enlists the help of some fellow adventurers. Um, they then travel across all of the different. The, the nine worlds we, we we call them so nine different locations um i think it's nine anyway yeah it's nine nine worlds nine different locations all uh, in pursuit of um our hero's evil chaotic mm. um like destruction sowing brother um who's like wreaking havoc on the world so the god who's sweet basically documents that story mm. um from our hero's um uh beginnings as a demigod um, which is kind of encapsulated in the first part, the first movement of the piece, the Eternity Fountain. And then um, he, the, the 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 portal to the mort- between the immortal and mortal realms in our little story is the Eternity Fountain, um, which is just this giant, like watery, shimmering lake that um, uh, the gods control, like how the universe works by like manipulating mm. its waters. It's, it's this sort of thing. Um, so our hero dives into the Eternity Fountain and he, you know, lands in um, a world unknown to him, which is where, um, so after part two, which is a fairly stormy track, uh, that's this documents his fall through the Eternity Fountain's um, kind of like fiery, swirling vortexes. Um, uh, he then lands in Terra Incognita, which is, the, which is uh, part three. Mm. Um, and then from there he travels to like... Um, he travels to like a fiery world, um, an icy world. Um, it's a it's a bit like faithless, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm nothing if not consistent. Um, so yeah, um, fiery world, icy world, um, like strange alien worlds. You know where you know the uh, the inhabitants are comprised of pure thought. Mm. This sort of thing, um, like weird. Uh, energy like beings and all this sort of thing eventually he and his brother meet up they have a massive massive fight which is documented in part nine which is called cosmic clash mm-hmm. um that's the apex of the piece where everything gets crazy and progressive and you know you've got eleven sixteen flying <laughs> all over the place and sort of stuff. excellent um 
And uh, spoiler alert, um, the uh, final part of the suite concludes with our hero having beaten his brother in combat and you know using the power of friendship and, and extreme violence <laughs> and this gun he found yeah. <laughs> um he uh, renounces his uh his godhood for good right. basically um because he's you know the real godhood was the friends we made along the way i love it <laughs> yeah he's grown he's grown used to being a human mm. be um he wants to be human in the mortal realm and just live out the rest of his days like that Oh, um, very cool. No, it's interesting because, like, so, yeah, it's a, obviously an instrumental piece. Like, you don't necessarily pick up on it, but yeah, I imagine knowing that you can, like, yeah, feel the ebbs and flows, and um, yeah, like you say, the, the mad crescendo, uh, you know, signifying the the epic battle at the end. Yeah, um, I, I had no idea. Very cool. Uh, got you, Eris. <laughs> he said exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Ninjed. Great. Um, from endless. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say there's a there, there is a there is a big story behind mm. the God Tooth Suite, and uh, there is also room for me to expand on it even more for potentially a sequel to the God Tooth Suite. Yes. Which I which I did start soon after it was finished. That was 2012. I came out with that. Um, but I don't know. It may or may not happen. There's a, there's a lot to unpack just from that first mm. story. So there's all sorts of directions it could go. Definitely feels like the kind of thing you couldn't execute it. You couldn't necessarily force, you know. You want it to be. Yeah. You want it to match the uh, the heights of the the first one. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's got to be. It's yeah. It's got to be very deliberately done. Yeah, and, for uh, sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, definitely encouraging uh, part two. Um, <laughs> uh, this is from Endless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we did cover this. But uh, yeah, did the, the first maps you created uh, were they also made to the made, uh, released to the public, or do you have some hidden maps in the treasure chest? And can I have them, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's actually like plenty of old maps that I've never released. Mm. Um, I think most mappers have that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question about that. So, um, so was the question specifically about Earthless? No, no, just uh, maps in general. So, so that was from Endless, the, the person. Um, oh, Endless. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So yeah, just early um, maps. Do they? Yeah, do you have like a hidden, hidden, hidden uh, repository of never released early Jimmy maps? I mean, kind of. I kind of do, kind of don't. I, a lot of the things that I wind up starting do wind up getting finished at some point. Mm. Now, hold me to that because I mean, <laughs> I I wish I could make good on my words, like in a sort of prompt sort of manner. But a lot of these things do stew for mm. years and years and years. Uh, it has to be said, like, there are maps in Earthless, for example, that started out as prototypes when I was literally picking up Deep Sea for the first time. Right, right, right. Uh, right. As, as, as a preteen. That's really cool. So, yeah. Um, and there are maps in Genesis as well, which is coming up to 10 years old. Mm. Way! Time um, is a thing that, um, that, yeah. that moves in a scary fashion. Time is a... <laughs> time is a... Oh, it's a nasty fucker. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so um yeah, there's there's maps in Genesis as well. Like map thirty two of Genesis is literally uh, an old prototype of map two from about mm. two thousand and five. Well the part um, of the question was, you know, do you use will you use them for future or and you know, future projects and the answer is this, you know, pick up these map seeds and yeah. ideas and, and you know, um retool them or remake them and yeah, 
they, 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 yeah, they, they do yeah, appear. The, the, uh, that's exactly what it is. Like, if I have old maps lying around, chances are I'll pick them up again and be like, okay, mm. there's a smidgen of good ideas in this, even if, you know, it's like the weird random scrawlings mm-hmm. of a possibly under 13-year-old child, basically. <laughs> no, I, I, um, um, I've... And you know, similarly, I'd say uh, you know, to all new mappers, never delete stuff. Always keep it. Um, it might look oh, like it yeah, might be garbage, yeah. but like Jimmy said, there's always something in there worth normally worth pulling out and going. Mm, maybe I can explore this idea, even if it's like a, a single room or a, a staircase or something like that. Actually, is not bad. What could we? We should use that. Um, yeah, I've got shit from 15 years ago, um, still sitting on the hard drive. And you know, Bastion of Chaos was a remake of a remake of a remake. Like one of my first maps ever that I made, the, the seed was yeah. there, and I, I'd like it's, mm. it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> it's awful, but you know, <laughs> that concept led to another concept, led to another concept, um, and um, yeah, you never know where those ideas might go. Yeah, I, I, I wish I was able to like whittle down all of my different project ideas into like a single really good project instead of like all of these different scattershot ideas mm. that I've tried over the years and be like, okay, this sort of works, but I haven't been able to quite see it through to the finish yet. Like, I've got so many goddamn projects in limbo at the moment. It's really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. That's no, uh, there's something to be said for having like one kind of mega work that you can throw, um, throw ideas at and like anything. Like, I don't know where to put this while well, we can just fold it into HL. <laughs> um, it'll fit in there somewhere. Um, mm. So you've got you've got that attitude where you yourself prefer that sort of slow burn project to be kind of constantly building upon. Mm. And my attention span is such that uh, I just I just want to have the fucking thing done and out the door. Yeah, and that, you know that goes back to that you know slightly smaller map creation as well. It's just you know it's like get it done All right. Next thing, what's, what's going on next? And then you know someone like me, it's just like slowly chipping it away at a huge block of marble that um. Will, we fully revealed, I don't know, 2038, somewhere around there. Um, from Imorpha, and would it be, would being able to include and set a custom sound font in a WAD or PK3 for GZ Doom be a boon or a burden for MIDI musicians? I guess it kind of depends, really. I mean, if you are like me and you write specifically for the um the general midi sound because you love how cheesy and tinny it is um then sound fonts uh like just over time i've just grown less and less fond of sound fonts um especially since i've seen a lot of people remaster my music and that's of like people like ad and essel and um all all the people on the back to set next team who were you know themselves musicians a lot of the a lot of people have tried to remaster and remix the Back to Set Next soundtrack with sound fonts, specifically mm. to make them sound less like MIDI. But it still sounds like MIDI. It just sounds like MIDI that's been put through a sound font. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, 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 I will say there is value in sound fonts. They are very useful tools, but I don't think they're like a blanket solution right. to everything. But I think what Amorphous is asking is um, if you were to have native sound font support for doom mods that you could theoretically customize and bundle with your doom mods mm. would that be useful and i would definitely say yes mm. um, i know that um i know that immorpha does doom 64 style stuff um yeah lots and, of uh, dark ambient drone kind of content yeah 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 very talented and that's why like, having his own sound font 
work with there would mm. definitely be of use to him. I can definitely see that working. For a very so. specific sound, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh, AD79, um, who I unjokingly now actually, I think he's he's the next Jimmy in terms of MIDI creation. Uh, the only other person I've seen be able to churn out content as quickly as you and of uh, consistently high quality, very talented. Um what do you mean by the next Jimmy? I'm still alive. <laughs> nah, oh, no, didn't you hear? You get you get retired when you turn thirty. <laughs> oh. No, more oh, more, oh. more Jimmys is definitely a good thing. Um, so I think we did we'd cover off the, we did cover the first half of this uh, to, to degree. Uh, what's your process when it comes to something like the thirty and thirty projects? Um, four and five in particular. Do you have ideas beforehand, or is everything done on the fly? Um, so yo. Know, uh, you said that it was very much uh, organic. Let's see what happens. Sit down, kind of process. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So um, the difference with the thirteen thirties is that uh, there are five instalments now, and they've all been done slightly differently. So with the first three, there was no time limit basically on when I would get the thing, the, the full project finished. Right. They were just thirty songs done within thirty minutes each. Yep. So. Um, it was they were basically just compilations of pre-existing uh, songs that I'd written inside of 30 minutes and I was like I'm doing lots of these I should release them all as a pack Let's bundle them up. and yeah. that's where that's where 30 and 30 sprang from um, and there were three installments like that so three installments of uh, 30 MIDI songs each done within 30 minutes um, and then for the fourth instalment, I opted to switch up the formula slightly. So instead of 30 minutes for a piece to be done in completion, it would be 30 tracks done inside 30 days. Mm. Um, and that proved to be very, um, uh, very successful. I like some of probably some of my most satisfying songs for me personally were written for that album, 30 and 34. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was like a month long excursion for me to um, basically just get thirty new tracks written. There was a little bit of planning beforehand. I think I think I was like pulling from the dub MIDI names text file as well <laughs> um, for just a little bit of inspiration forward on that front. And uh, yeah, that wound up being a nice way to kill time between university semesters as mm. it happens. Um, so yeah, kept the kept the gears nicely greased. Um, then for the fifth installment, it was the same sort of deal. Uh, again, it was done inside one month, um, uh, earlier, uh, earlier this year, actually. So January 21, I put out the fifth installment of that. So that'll be, that was like the first 1330 album I put out in five years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, that was largely done the same way. Although, um, I was pulling from material that I had lying around. Right. So instead of starting brand new tracks, I was actually going back in my MIDI directory and going, yeah, this is a good song that's nearly done. Let's finish that off on this day. Yep. That's a new, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's mm. a good one. Uh, I've, got, I've got fucking thousands of the things. Honestly. <laughs> uh, so many unfinished MIDI songs. So that many are MIDI's. Just, just um, shy from completion. Just slam them all together. Like another, <laughs> four hour yeah. long track um, there was a follow up question um, do you, did yeah. you ever find yourself uh, losing steam throughout any of the pro- um, I guess probably more relevant yeah, yeah. to four and five because the other ones didn't have a, an, uh, an outside time frame um, yeah well I mean uh, even with the first three to be honest um, some of those 
pieces I were doing, I was doing like five of them back to back, 30 right. minutes each. And uh, I was doing that usually on call with somebody as well. So somebody like Alfonso or Queen Jazz or Stew Boy, I did them with a few times. Um, and uh, usually you you wind up by about the fourth track, you were like, oh, <laughs> fuck my knees. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear another harpsichord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but um that's why it's also really good to be able to uh have another person on board with that mm. sort of thing because you bounce ideas off of each other you can give each other fun restrictions um mm. like i remember i remember uh i think alfonso gave me one of those uh, led to uh the creation of banjo inferno great name which is which is one of the track names one of the tracks from adventures of square soundtrack it's the one that plays in the town in the secret level of episode oh, two. yes 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 yeah uh the, the sort of uh budget western town <laughs> with, the, with the hexus rangers yeah yeah, that's um yeah so that that uh that turned into to that um yeah and that was that, that was great like uh, good fun but yeah you do find yourself um when you are just putting yourself through that much strenuous creativity when that much focus, um, you do find yourself running up against the odd brick wall mm. here and there. Yeah, for sure. But you can mitigate it somewhat again by having that sort of company with you to, to, to do the same sort of thing with you suffer together. Yeah. <laughs> Misery loves company. Um, exactly. So, uh, and then, uh, yeah, definitely with four and five, which were the ones where I was doing it on a much longer scale, uh, time wise, uh, definitely found myself running out of steam in about the middle of the month mm. for, on both occasions. Um, I've got some really strong tracks at the very beginning and end, right. I think, of 13, 34 and 5. And about the middle third is where it's like, eh, it's fine. But it's the filler section um, of the album. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, this one from Zen. Uh, are there mm-hmm. any? Um, oh, sorry, no, I've skipped one. Uh, sorry, Genghis Khan first. Um, you got any rules of thumb for mapping? Any any Jimmy rules? Apart from obviously, um, have fun. Yeah, have fun is definitely up there. Um, probably rule number one. Um, number two, uh, probably avoid squares. Mm. And that that's that's really ironic. It's quite ironic, me, yeah. But... <laughs> But yeah, avoid like basic shapes. Uh, don't be afraid to just experiment a little bit and push the boat out. Because mm. um, uh, yeah, just 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 look around and see what you can make out of um, what you're putting down. Like look around what the community has put out. I think that is probably a rule of thumb I would give everybody: is play Doom. Mm. If, you, if you haven't heard of the game Doom, play it. Play it because that'll help you make Doom maps. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I second yeah. uh, second that experimentation thing. Yeah, you know, try new things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're starting another map, like you, don't don't push the boat out too far because if you try and do something way outside your wheelhouse, you'll struggle and it will be not yeah, exactly, not fun. Yeah. But try and do something new. At least you know one new thing that you haven't tried before on a map. Um, you know, give that a crack. And mm-hmm. you know, if you haven't done a particular style of encounter or a particular visual design element or used a particular shape. Um, you know, that's like, I haven't yeah. made a, I haven't made a U shaped room before. Let's make a U shaped room and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, sort of thing. Trying to do at least what, a couple of times in every new map is is, is definitely a good thing. Mm. Ch- challenge yourself is mm. how I would summate that yeah. in two words. Really, yeah. challenge yourself and just look for things you've not done before. Look for things that seem like they haven't 
quite been done before by anyone else. Because mm. that's what I was looking for, especially with Faithless. I'm like, hub maps are cool, heretics cool, but I've never seen a heretic hub episode. <laughs> exactly, and like slightly harder to land on those actual unique ideas, but you know, maybe yes. it's not something that hasn't ever been done, but at least something that isn't common. You know, like hmm, I haven't, yeah, like you say, you can combine a couple of things. Like people have done these things before, but they haven't rolled them all together into one package. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you can see the end result with something like Faithless. Um, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think just let your imagination run wild a bit uh, would be the thing that I kind of latches on to that yeah, as well. So, yeah, get creative. Yeah, try, the, try those new things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this one, this now it's the one from Zen. Uh, are there any techniques uh, that you've found that help the creative process uh, for yourself that apply to both mapping and composition? And we did, um, we did talk about uh, you know, restrictions and limitations breeding creativity. Uh, earlier, yes, um, we did. Yeah. Is there anything else that you you use as kind of like a a technique for putting yourself in the right state of mind? Um, for both mapping and composition, so it's, it, there's not much crossover between the two disciplines. But um, I think just try to stay stimulated. Mm. I think this is going to tie probably exactly into what I was just saying. But um, keep yourself stimulated. Keep challenging yourself. Um, with regards to composition, certainly I'm trying to like vaguely touch on things that I've not done before. Constantly seeing, you know, how can I, how can I churn out new things that haven't quite been done before? Like not necessarily just by me, but by the composition world at large. And obviously, yeah, like you say, it's harder to hit on those particular formulas mm. that haven't been done before. Oh, especially in music. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, just, I think, yeah, the confidence to be yourself, I think, mm. the, the, that self-assertion is really important as a creative individual. You really have to stick to your guns, stay you know, stalwart in the face of, you know, feeling like, you know, you're one of the others or like you might have, you know, people who criticize you for being different or whatever. Yeah, because like, um, that's actually something that we haven't touched on yet. And uh, uh, now that you mentioned it, it's actually, I hold it, very high on the list of things that are important for creativity is self-confidence. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, uh, like you say, whether it's the face of, um, you know, um, unfair criticism or, or detractors, because no one's going to like everything mm-hmm. that you do. So you need a bit of a thick skin um, to be a creative uh, um, person. But that, um, you know, trust in yourself to follow through on an idea, I think is really important. Um, and you see it, like I see talented, very talented people, mappers, you know, putting themselves in a state of self-doubt and uh, uh, they finish stuff and they, they, they stifle and they're constantly second-guessing uh, their decisions, which means you, you don't make any progress and you feel bad about what you're making. And there's something to be, something to definitely be said for a bit of like almost, almost like a silly level of self-confidence. Like you want to, you, mm. you know, you want to feel good about what you're doing all the time, ideally. <laughs> but having yeah. that like intrinsic self-belief even if it's like a yeah slightly unjustified, I think is a good thing for anyone. Um, you know, whether it's a new mapper or an experienced mapper, to be looking at what you're doing, like fuck yeah, this is cool. And like you said, you talk about your old stuff. You know that that you know is undoubtedly you know bad in quotation marks. <laughs> at the time you're making it, you wouldn't worse. have thought yeah worse than bad. At the time you're making it, you wouldn't have thought that. You know, looking at my old maps, like they're, they're garbage, absolute garbage. But at the time, I thought they were fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And you know you can be you can look back and be 
critical and you know cold and appraising of your old works what would i do to make this better next time where where were the flaws okay cool this is what wasn't good but this stuff was good we'll take the good stuff and we won't do the bad stuff and um yeah i think yeah it's a tough one to nail down that self-confidence thing and you know even the most talented people tend to have moments of self-doubt but trying to put yourself mm-hmm. in that state of mind it's like this will be good um um very important yeah i think um there's i think i've often like wondered sometimes quite seriously if the reason that i like to work just very very quickly with everything that i do just to have the thing done is because i'm a little bit scared of immediately looking at the thing that i've completed and thinking it's garbage Mm. like the fact am i I trying to run away from my own fear of myself Mm. kind of thing which oh god that sounds really (laughs) really existential (laughs) very existential yeah well it's funny you say that because i that's exactly what i like i don't do it with mapping like i I, i've got don't have too much uh issues with that but when i was at uni and stuff like whenever i finish an assignment or an essay I i wouldn't read it i wouldn't Proof, I wouldn't check it. It's like, mm. I don't want to look at it and go, fuck, this is awful. <laughs> Can't be bothered. I don't care about it anymore. Go away. Go give it to yeah. the hand it in, whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch this podcast over when it's done. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched not any of the ones. I haven't rewatched any of the ones <laughs> so far. Uh, <laughs> just like, it'll be what it is. Yeah, it's either good or it's bad. And we'll just see what the people say. <laughs> no, I, I can definitely empathize with that to a fair degree. <laughs> It is hard hearing yourself uh, talking, though. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it is, it's yeah, a tough thing to get used to. Oh, get to the point, you fucking... <laughs> Stop fucking rambling. Uh, just the way your voice sounds different in your head to when it's played back to you. It's it's, it's always disconcerting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, especially with noise-cancelling headphones, yeah. if you haven't noticed. Well, it's because... Like, like, just doing this, and my voice just... Oh, God, that sounds so different. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's something I'll ever get used to. Um, um, uh, this one from The Evil Grin. Uh, so for both of us, when you can't get a single idea to put somewhere but you have no choice, is forcing yourself to map, so deadline, um, is forcing yourself to map something productive or is it unhealthy and should be avoided? I'll let Jimmy go first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think forcing creativity is ultimately a bad idea. You don't want to be sweating blood, sweat and tears just to you know make a thing that is there for people to enjoy ultimately, you know, mm. artists should, shouldn't really have to suffer for their art. Um, but um, at the same time, if you are working to a tight deadline, sometimes maybe that is your only option, not necessarily forcing your creative creativity, but just sort of eking it out, mm. really disciplining yourself and sort of ignoring the self-imposed barriers that you might have. Um like whether it's you know oh the thing that I'm making is is crap or it's like the it's it's worse than the last thing I've made you mm. know it's it the creativity is such a fluid thing and I myself don't have virtually any control over mm. my own creative moods like everybody goes through lows and highs in life massive massive mood swings sometimes sometimes you know life deals us like really crippling blows mm. and this sort of thing. And you know you can't really ex- you can't really expect yourself to maintain a consistent level of energy in spite of everything that mm. life and all of its like terrible like terrible things throw at you. So, um, I would say like try to be easy on yourself if you can possibly be. Um, there's you know there's no sense in making it so that you are ultimately you know worse off mm. for 
creating a thing that is again something just is there for people to enjoy as a creator like if you're if you're an artist you want to paint a beautiful picture you want to inspire awe and pleasure presumably <laughs> in, um, in a, a little bit of fear yeah. maybe yeah <laughs> yeah Un- unless you're unless you're um um what's what's a um macho or whatever his name is that uh you know, wrote on the urinal, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> they want to inspire disgust. Um, yeah. Because I'd, yeah. I'd say... This is definitely art. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's still art. Uh, apparently so I was taping a banana to a wall. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say it depends. I, I think for the broad, you know, hobby community, you do want to avoid trying to force yourself. Um, and, you know, there's some mapping projects like, say, Mayhem, you know, made in the month of May, that do have deadlines. If you don't beat yourself up if you if you can't finish in time because you know people mm. running these projects it happens all the time it's nothing unusual um you know uh, just communicate with the project leader if you know if, if there's something that does have a hard deadline like I'm I'm not going to be ready they might give you an extension but they'll appreciate the, the honesty and yeah uh, no one no no like sensible normal person will hold it against you if you can't you know finish through because. Like you said, Jimmy, like you've got <laughs> thousands of unfinished middies in a pile. Um, we've all got, all yeah. our mappers have got piles of unfinished maps. Like it, it, it happens to everyone. So I think, yeah, it's yeah. important to, if, you, if you're doing it as a hobby for, 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 for enjoyment, yeah, you generally want to avoid forcing yourself into that state. It's a bit different if you're doing it like a, for something a bit more ambitious, uh, whether it is like a commercial game um, or, or, yep. or or just a big project with a lot of people. Uh, you know, then you do have a bit more of an obligation uh, to contribute, um, particularly if you're like leading it. Um, so in that kind of case, you might have to like if if you're the last mapper on some big epic, um, you know, construct that's holding up the release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you might you might need to just knuckle down and get to work, but there are ways yeah. to go. There are ways to go about that. Um, so, because like there's been days where, where I'll come home from work and like, I need to do some do some mapping, but I'm tired. I don't want to. Let's open up to but there'll be there's, there's usually something you can get started on. And for me, like some people, it's auto map cleanup. It's like some it's a good make work. Um, for me, it's like aligning flats. It's like there'll be some alignment that I can do, some little tidy up, um, right, maybe right. maybe reshape some rocks somewhere, something real low pressure. It's not important. Yeah, yeah. just just start doing something, and yeah. almost without fail, do within like half an hour. It's like, oh, I've got an idea for over here now. I might, I might go, yeah. go over there. So just like it's putting yourself in a place <clears> where creativity could happen. I think is how to go about it. Yes, don't. Don't force it. Yeah, so don't, don't like, I need to work on this really imp- important progression point or this epic arena that needs to be a big feature visually. I'm going to force myself to go and try and make that look great. It's probably not going to work. But if you put yourself in the map, in the space, um, and and just start tuttering around and be open to ideas, you'll probably find that something will come to you. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does happen accidentally. So it, it's just, yeah, just creativity just pops into being and it's like oh, how did that happen why mm. am i i started i started moving some some trees around yeah, here, yeah, over yeah. here and now i have i have enough two two more fucking rooms yeah exactly it's um, like yeah it's like mm, yeah. okay well this, this yeah, i'll follow through on this one you know <laughs> exactly yeah mm. so yeah i don't think that yeah everybody who like beats themselves up about not finishing a thing on time or whatever it's it's 
Like time is a thing we made up, you know. It's very unhealthy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like and deadlines. They're 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 a makeshift. They're a makeshift construct. Very, like, there are very yeah. few things that actually have uh, like in terms of like creative. Like I say, they're, they're an external. They're a, they're a false imposition. And like you know, there's been articles written about crunch culture and the game dev industry and how bad it is. And yes. Like who, who cares if it comes out three months later? Um, no, one, you know. But we'd rather have something yeah. good. Uh, than something that's been rushed um and you know uh, there's been there's been the odd project in, in the doom community i'd say that's kind of fallen into that trap but it's pretty pretty few and far between um to be yeah, honest yeah i think for the most part because it's a, it's a hobbyist yeah. thing making doom maps so you rough you rarely find that oh this was super duper rushed mm. and suffers as a result um if anything you find the opposite where it's like oh too long was spent on this project yeah, yeah. and it's totally lost sight of what it is <coughs> freedom <coughs> bg6 so. uh, three <coughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no no like yeah the, the, oh, yeah. like i said you know people are just gonna sit there and just kind of wait patiently and yeah it'll be out when it's out um so mm. you know uh particularly evil you know for someone like evil grin you know um uh, you know that kind of general mapping pool shall we call them the the unwashed masses um <laughs> yeah be relaxed be happy um work at your own pace um it is a hobby and we yeah we do it for fun yeah ultimately yeah definitely um i was gonna say something earlier um yeah creativity does happen accidentally sometimes and uh yeah i, I think yeah if i was if i was uh, beating myself up about all of the midis that i've not finished I would I I would just be constantly like I'd be black and blue yeah. bleeding from my mouth the whole time. I'd be like fucking yeah. hell, like I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Exactly. But you know, they're ultimately just you know, I think I probably had to get all my bad ideas out first mm. and leave them as unfinished projects in order to attain my good ideas later on. I think that's that's a that's a thing that I've sort of repeated to myself that has helped me kind of like come to be at peace with the fact that i have some unfinished scraps lying around that will probably never see the light of day even if they're kind of good you know well like, I'm, I'm, i am a i am a serial archivist it has to be said i save everything i do i buy you know instead of deleting things to clear space i will just buy more hard drives to <laughs> just save all of it you know well it's pretty it's actually so, pretty hard to waste time you know did you have fun if you say yes, mm. then it's not a waste of time. Like that, that, that alone makes what you do not a waste of time. And then the other one is like, did you learn something from it? You know, you say about getting your bad ideas out. Can you look back and go, ah, because I did that that way and I, you know, didn't get finished, but I learned. I look back and go, ah, I learned not to do that or I can improve on that. And, you know, maybe that became the seed of another idea. And, you know, um, I could kick myself over, you know, the last 15 years of never releasing anything, but what's the point of that <laughs> um i like to think that you know um i would say these things happen for a reason but there's a there's a there's good things come out of out of the process you know there's stuff that um i've learned and by doing it in an in an isolation and not releasing stuff well that meant that i wasn't pressured by other outside forces and could just do things that you know that i enjoyed and and just kind of experiment with designs and all that kind of stuff and yeah it meant that um, I didn't release my first map till I was like 32, 33, 33, mm. I think. Yeah, Joy of Mapping 6. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I, I wouldn't change, I'll put it this way, I wouldn't change how I've lived my life. Um, you know, looking mm. back, I, I do not regret where I am now for sure. So, um, you know, if mm. you can, yeah, find either the, yeah, the enjoyment or, or the learnings, um, then it's still time well spent. 
um, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, this one from Vlad. <laughs> what what squares personal interests? Cigars and drinking, uh, I think, um, are pretty high on the list. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's probably quite a keen player of darts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic, uh, classic British lad. Fish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he does play a lot of golf. Golf? Uh, he does too. He does too. Yeah. <laughs> Hell shots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we could play that today. Um, uh, and then uh, from uh, Remy, um, have you ever thought of making music for Doom using other formats, uh, formats other than MIDI, uh, like Stream Tracker, uh, Mod, etc.? So the question is like music for Doom specifically. Yeah, like your yeah, non MIDI format. Using modules, or I had a crack at modules like ages and ages ago, but uh, nothing really came of it. Um, I think if uh, if I'm to be honest, probably probably not. Probably we'll just stick with MIDI um, as my go-to for doom mapping. Um, I can't really see myself writing a big epic orchestral piece and then putting that in a doom map. I mean, mm. <laughs> not to discredit the people who, who would do that, but um, that just doesn't seem like my particular thing. I think for me, the marriage of MIDI and doom is really very closely intertwined. Um, so um, the high production stuff does leave me a little bit sort of jittery i do get a bit anxious when i'm mm. called upon to write something with like you know proper synthesized stuff and all this so, like so when i inevitably aspect. commission you for an age of hell track you're gonna be you're gonna be a bit nervous <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be shitting my pants just a little bit yeah get get a get a get the nappies ready because um it's coming <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh. <laughs> no I mean, i'm I, genuinely serious um uh, you're on my list of, of people to, to, to get a guest track from, so um, if you're willing. Because, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think I could name any Jimmy tracks that I've heard that aren't MIDI, to be honest. Um, I've got I've got a couple under my belt, mainly they're for um, uh, people who've enlisted me to write songs for them. Um, oh, and there's but, obviously um, your, the album that you made with um, Zoran. Zoran, 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 yes. Yeah, so you've obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not MIDI. <laughs> No. Some of them started out as midis, funnily enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slaughter match with classical music. Oh, I would I would play those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm right. sure I'm sure that already exists with like midis of classical music. Well it's quite honest. Dark Soulsian, you know, that big epic tone, you know, f- you know, fighting for your life kind of thing. It does actually gel together quite nicely, I think. Um I'd, I'd be keen to hear yeah. that kind of stuff. You get some some um, uh, Rachmaninoff like pounding Deus- away while you're <laughs> massacring revenants. <laughs> yeah, isn't there like a Deus Vault 2 map that has like Lord of the Rings music? Yes. Literally? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Uh, Deus Vault 2 <laughs> definitely hits those notes with that very, yeah, gothic classical stylings. Um it's good stuff. Mm. Um if there's no more questions from the chat, um, I've got one. I think there was a question from Chester at the very top um, of the podcast channel. Oh, I did miss that one. Sorry. Apologies to Chester. Um, yeah, is there a good story behind the inspiration and writing of the Necromancer's Demise? Or did you just wake up one day and decide to crank out a 13-minute piece of airgasm? <laughs> 
Uh, it was the latter, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint, but it was like there's not really much of a story behind that one. I just thought there's a there's a cool title. Mm, uh, it's probably it probably befits a very long track, a very varied and lengthy proggy track. So um, I'm gonna just um, knuckle down and write something like that. Mm. Uh, I think I I think it was one of those situations where I was getting a little bit tired of my usual fare, and I just wanted to break out into doing something just a bit bigger than normal so again yeah again like like with my realms deep map for example that's obviously still in progress as of now um there's um uh there's a lot to be said for just switching up the formula a bit again it's just challenging myself every now and then to just come up with something a little bit different from what i usually do yeah well it's going back Um, to that experimentation and and trying new ideas and stuff you know pushing yourself into some of the slightly uncomfortable or unused to it and seeing what comes out and yeah, mm. good things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I do want to maybe retrofit some lyrics for the Necromancer's Demise, though, because cool. there's plenty of space in the song for words to be sung over it. Mm, that'd uh, be cool. The question then comes, uh, would I have to enlist other musicians to actually record mm. proper instruments? Because it's all very well, but singing over a MIDI would be a bit yeah, strange. Yeah, I don't know if that would work. <laughs> might uh, do, might do, but it does feel like... You, unless you bit crush the vocals, I suppose, <laughs> to make it sound like... Feed it through a synth chip, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, or just record record, um, record your vocals normally and then feed the MP3 of your vocals into a MP3 to MIDI yeah, converter. Yeah. <laughs> be fine. So it's got all the weird overtones on top. <laughs> Sounds like what, absolute shit. What could possibly go wrong? Um... Just have another another yep. one pop up, um, <laughs> I, uh, um, and I think we have covered. So it's a bit silly, a bit of a silly question. But do you ever get inspired by MIDI's for creating a map? And um, you know, you said that that's a quite integral part of your process. A lot of the time is to choose music before you start. Um, yes, that 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 happens quite often, quite commonly actually. So I'll find um, like a pack of MIDI's online or something. Um, uh, whether, whether that's like from like a video game. Uh, or like one of our close associates like AD or Eris puts out a new fun little song or mm. whatever or Eris put out an EP recently which mm. is pretty good at that good. has got the gears turning a little bit nice. um, and uh, yeah uh, things like that um, easily inspire me to make maps mm. and they tend to inspire me in quite a unique way as well because when it comes to music it does tend to come with like a very sort of visual sort of element as well. Right. When I when I listen to when I listen to music, it's not like I literally see things in front of me. I'm not like um, Syn- synesthetic, Syn- yeah, yeah. but um, the uh, there is still a huge visual element to the way that I work, um, even in the medium of music. Mm. So I'll, I'll often see things and like a like specific set of colors or a specific shape of a structure, mm. that sort of thing, and that informs. An entire map concept, pretty mm-hmm. much. Because I'm definitely the opposite. And that can all stem from a single MIDI. Um, you know, I'll, I'll build build the visuals first and think mm, what kind of what kind of musical tone will fit with what I've made. And I should probably experiment, like you know, back to that whole try and think, try new things. I should probably you know do, do the other, you know, at least once, like get a get a track made and you know, hmm, what map can this inspire? Um, that sounds like fun, actually. Um, mm. And um, yeah, so they. Uh, uh, the last thing I wanted to just uh, briefly touch on, because it is, it, it, I actually, I think it's one of the more important elements um, that uh, you know of the Doom community, um, and uh, it was the joy of mapping. 
um, oh, yeah. a series of community projects that you ran um, and hopefully we'll run one again someday soon. Some year soon, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. maybe soon. Jimmy's Who not knows. making any promises. And uh, yeah, that's understandable because they did get fucking huge. Um, uh, 72 fucking maps. <laughs> And, you know, maybe it takes a uh, shape like, you know, the, your isolation community project that you organised was, you know, had a similar kind of energy. That was fucking monstrous as that, well. That ended, like, but obviously you got the idea to like, ah, fuck it, let's try this, let's do this. And, yeah, it ended up enormous. Um, so, you know, <laughs> things have happened since um, Joy Mapping 6. But, um, you know, even if even if it, you know, that is that is all of them, um, you know, they created, there was such a important part of the mapping foundation of the community i'd say um uh, particularly you know very focused on new mappers um and i remember really vividly um you know the, the excitement around joy mapping six and um it was actually a big part of me meeting people um so it's not you know i guess it got me my first public map what mm-hmm. i'm actually still pretty proud of um yeah. it was also a great community vibe um and uh, mm. i guess <laughs> the main thing i was always like you know, thank you jimmy for like that, that thing. It, 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 the good it did is, you know, incalculable. I think for the Doom community, um, you know, was mm. actually we, you know, we did, we did, we did that start. Was it just like oh, I'm just going to run a community project, and it just kind of grew from there? Well, it wasn't really intended as a community project, to be honest. It was like um, again, I did this sort of thing where, like thirty in thirty, I did one thing three times and then i swapped the formula up for the fourth one mm. so um joy of mapping one two and three were all fully live streamed inside of one afternoon basically right um i um i had this initial idea going in that it would basically be a direct equivalent for the joy of painting with bob mm. ross mm-hmm. um and i would just talk everybody through a step-by-step process of making a map um so after three attempts at this, I kind of quickly realized, well, not everybody works at the same pace. No. Everybody's, <laughs> no, nobody's got the exact same ideas or the, the desire to do things in the exact same order. So I decided to kind of ditch that sort of regimented approach to um, tutoring and just made it a sort of jam session mm. kind of thing where anyone can pop along at any time and work on the, work on the thing that, that they want to work on in their own time. Uh, Joy of Mapping Four wound up being nine days long. I think we mm-hmm. we did it. We did a week long jam, and then we had to like extend the deadline by two days because not enough people were ready to submit. As you inevitably do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think it was better for Joy of Mapping Five and Six though because those were shorter. Mm. I think they were only three days. Like six was and, three like, days. Yeah. So there's still a sense of urgency there. I took a day um, off work. With... <laughs> <laughs> did, yeah. yeah, that was great. Yeah, but yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun. I hope we do get to get another one done soon. But I think Joy of Mapping Seven, if it if it is to happen, will probably be the last one hmm. because I can see that yeah, I can see the project just ballooning out of yeah, control yeah. Um, outside of my own jurisdiction, and it's. It's unfair of me to, you know, expect my fellow tutors to be constantly on hand while that's while that's all going on, and for oh, you know, things to be. I think if you, if so, you plan in advance and, and you, you like this is what we're here for. I think um, I don't think that you have too many issues, like unless you know getting a a, cor- a, a courtier of, of lieutenants to assist. And um, yeah, I, I, mm. if you do do it, I strongly recommend that you uh, you know make it a bit more of a 
you know, multi-person management team because yeah, seventy matches yeah. is insane to to compile, um, you know, by yourself. <laughs> it's ridiculous because it would be bigger. If you we're doing enjoy yeah. mapping seven, and it's going to be the last one. I I would be not be surprised if it cracked a hundred submissions. Easily, um, yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, we've Fuck. looked at how the Doom community has grown over the last few years. Um, you'd, you'd have people storming the gates <laughs> in a good way. Oh though. yes, yeah, storming with love. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, fingers crossed. If we, yeah. uh, hopefully, we do get it. But uh, yeah, like I said, even if we don't, it was still such a yeah such a critical element um, for a lot of people's kind of mapping journeys. Um, and yeah, I just wanted I definitely mm. wanted just to highlight how fucking awesome it is uh, that you did that. Mm. Jimmy's yeah, cool, y'all. I, I didn't really realize. I didn't really realize it would be just like something that everybody would be so heavily on board and passionate about. Mm. Um, it, it, it did just wind up being just I'm going to do a little fun thing and just pretend to be Bob Ross on stream and just help a couple of people who might be struggling with starting their first map so it'll be you know it won't it won't be for show mm. at all really it'll just it'll just be literally helping people out as best I can because I think helping people out is just in my blood it's just ultimately what I want to be able to do and like as, I think as a person in the community. I think that's part of the that was the real strength of it is it was done unpretentiously and for very good reasons and with good goals. You know, that's the part the, the yeah. primary function of it was to help people and um and it was both successful at that, but I think it also you know, a lot of respect um gathered for that as a concept and it stayed, you know, it wasn't about making the, the, the highest quality maps or anything like that. Um, you know, you pretty much unless it was something seriously memey, it's like all everyone, whatever you made was going to be included. Um, and it's just you know, it's, you also had you know experienced mappers contributing and helping out, and you yep. know, you know, creating that vibe of like, ah, this is how it's been, this is how it is done. Like, there's some experienced people doing stuff and and you know, um, helping out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was just it was just the perfect mix. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's had a really brilliantly actually i think it like being able to see you know solidly like concretely that it actually did a lot of good for the community and that mm. a lot of people view it as like their the way that they started mapping the mm. thing that it, that was that served as their launch pad for their mapping career i suppose mm, for is sure. really really hot really heartwarming yeah well I, I i i think it's pretty legit statement that i wouldn't probably be here and if it wasn't for joy mapping, to be honest, um, you know, uh, it, it was yeah, real a real watershed moment uh, at least for me. So um, yeah, thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's all my fault. It's all Jimmy's fault that all your graphics cards are catching fire. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, we've gotten through the questions. Is there anything else you want to add uh, before we sign off, Jimmy? Um. This is always like the, the part of this podcast where I'm just like, no, completely no, fucking lost for words. No, we've, like, we've talked for two and a half hours almost. Shut up. <laughs> I've, I've said so many words already. You want me to say more words? No, I think... I've said at least 100 words. At least at least seven words. Well, I think, um, you know, uh, thank you for coming on. And, you know, um, I don't really think we need to... Tell the you know Jimmy who does all the everyone knows who Jimmy is like yes that's a name synonymous with Doom um in a way that you know most of us can only dream about um and and uh, pleasure having you on and you know it's amazing that you're still here you know contributing and making stuff at the same kind of frenetic pace as you always have um and uh, looking forward to whatever you have cooking up next um 
and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you can get that Realms Deep map uh, spat out in the next week. Um, yeah, because uh, uh, that would be very cool to see. It was looking mighty fine. Um, mm. yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Been and um, I think yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty keen on bundling you up with Entrop, and we'll talk all things Square um uh sometime uh, probably late this month or or uh or yeah i think the end of august was what i was talking about with uh with him so um pencil that in and uh i think i think that'd be a lot of fun that sounds fun yeah all for right. sure thank you jimmy and uh thank you viewers all right thanks everybody all right we'll call that end at 25 23 very nice that was good that might be the longest one yet <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> General VV went over two hours as well. I think he, he was a, he was another he's a he's a chatty boy too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't consider myself super duper chatty, but I mean, if you get me talking about myself for some reason, it's just like well, there's just a lot of Jimmy to go through. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's enough Jimmy for everybody. Yeah, I had these, and I, I actually did wasn't planning on talking about like if I knew if we dove into Square, uh, like it was one of the reasons that I wanted to not. It was like we'll just talk for, talk for another hour, you know. <laughs> it's just like I have to pick and choose. We didn't even talk about Earthless, and um, but uh, I think we we got through a good amount. And yeah, it's always next time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, always next time. Indeed, indeed. Um, it's time for some shenanigans, I think. So I'll have to end the stream so uh, we can reset the cameras. Um, and uh -huh. uh, we'll be right back with maybe some Doom Weird to start with. And Capelli's got a new version of Insanity Deathmatch, so I think we're going to play that. It's got seven new weapons for us to frag each other with. Um, so there's a couple of servers of that lovely. already loading. So um, BRB, lovely, lovely, lovely. and uh, yeah, let's kill each other. I'm going to go get cider. <gasps> Me too. <laughs>